Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Wednesday morning to you. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. People are in a much, much better mood, although I'm not sure about Casey and Paul. Are, are, are you guys even in a decent mood? You walk in a little kind of, uh, you guys all right? <laughs> Casey, I mean, seriously, uh, what, what's going on here? You know, I, I am a little sad. I'm okay, a little so sad. so we're going to lay all the cards on the table. I am glad to hear that. Please fill me in. I, just the sad news about the NFL today, just the Franco Harris passing, that kind of made me sad. Uh, he was like two days away from his, you know. Yep, and we'll get into yeah. all of that today. That is sad. So that's what, as you said? Yeah, yeah, that and uh, just, you know, it's no, cold. No, I don't know. I'm asking. It's cold. It is just cold here. Brother, this I is mean, nothing compared to what we're going to be staring down the barrel at starting Friday. I know, Friday. That, that's I mean, what's got At me least sad, today though. we're getting, yeah. the last two days we're getting lots of sunshine Temperatures are up in the 40s. I mean, come on, brother. We're I mean, talking that, about being negative one on Friday. I know. That's what's got me down. I'm like, it's only going to get worse. Now, see, that's <laughs> one of the things I've never understood. My wife is born and raised in Arizona. Okay? And, 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 I mean, you know, she was kicking and fighting and scratching when we had the chance to come back to Cincinnati, or I had the chance to come back to Cincinnati, brought our whole family here. And, and, and she lets the weather oftentimes dictate her mood and you sound like you're quite similar in that regard Casey even though we're three days away from that two days why in the world would anybody let the weather affect their mood I don't know I wouldn't <laughs> that's an energy bill I don't want to pay for well now you're uh, talking a whole different ball it, Tom <laughs> I think the real reason that Casey is sad is because the Reds didn't sign Carlos Correa yeah that really has me down bad <laughs> yeah well uh, good luck on that. Uh, this is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. I have a lot of people asking me about this and what we got going on. I had a guy at UDF, in fact, this morning. A guy who drives a truck for UDF. I said, where can I find the show? Because I've heard all about it. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, where this show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. We ask, as always, you subscribe, flip the notification switch on. But if podcast is more up your alley, we're there, too. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Well, you heard Casey mention it a second ago. Franco Harris, author of The Immaculate Reception, which is considered to be the single most iconic play in the history of the NFL, has died. He was 72 years old. His death comes two days from the 50th anniversary of that play. And the league set that whole thing up. It was a game that involved the Steelers and the Raiders. They are playing this weekend. They were set to retire Franco Harris, number 32. And he passes two days before all of this happens. He won four Super Bowl rings with Pittsburgh during their dynasty of the 1970s. Our thoughts and prayers are with all of those, his family, his friends, and all the many, many millions of fans. He was a first-class guy all the way. It's very sad. 
Other football news, the Ravens have claimed Sammy Watkins off waivers from Green Bay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's a notification that the Ravens offense is about to wake up. Is that a fire alarm? Are we... Do we have to evacuate the building? Hold on. Uh-oh. This is live on the air. This is live. <laughs> this is entertaining television. This is like Al Michaels reporting from the World Series after the earthquake. Hold on. Wow. Oh, boy. We are live on the air. We're good. We're okay? Yeah. Everybody all right? Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Good. All right. So, Sammy Watkins is claimed off waivers from Green Bay. They just put him on waivers two days ago before their game on Monday night. And all the while, they now have to put their star receiver, Devin DuVernay, on the injured list. He was hurt last week. Baltimore has the sixth worst Passing attack in the league. And they are still without star quarterback and former MVP Lamar Jackson. Watson, you may remember, was with Baltimore last year. He only had 27 receptions. He had 13 with Green Bay this year. Bengals are on the practice field today, getting ready for a date with the New England Patriots. That game, of course, is Saturday at 1 o'clock. I mean, what were you guys talking about? Women? You talk, I mean, what are you talking about? Over there? <laughs> what were you talking about, Paul? Trey Hendrickson <laughs> was back on the practice field yesterday. No word officially as to if he will play this week. Although Zach Taylor, give me the quote, Casey. Zach Taylor said on the slew of injuries. That everyone was in the optimistic direction. Trending. Trending in the optimistic direction. Okay, those are the words of Zach Taylor. College football, we talk about it all the time. You don't mess around with the MAC. Maction in full display last night. Both Eastern Michigan and Toledo get bowl wins. And, of course, the Titans of the MACs have yet to play. The Ohio University will play in the Arizona Bowl coming up against Wyoming. This was a stunning move that no one saw coming. Last night, Carlos Correa signs a 12-year, $315 million deal with the New York Mets. You may recall Correa had agreed to a similar deal with the San Francisco Giants last week. And apparently things fell apart after results of a physical that took place this week. So Mets owner Stephen Cohen negotiates the last-minute deal with agent Scott Boris in Hawaii. New York has spent $800 million on free agents in the last three weeks. Their projected payroll is $384 million. Oh, and throw in a $100 million luxury tax ticket. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. College hoops. You were there, Paul. Xavier gets 23 points and nine rebounds from senior Zach Fremantle. A thriller. 73-70 win at home over Providence. Musketeers are 10-3 and on the year. They'll play at St. John's a day after Christmas. A couple of ranked teams lost last night. Duke falls to Wake Forest in Winston-Salem and Marquette. We talked about the Big East Stakes. 
Marquette goes into the top 25 two days ago, and bang, they lose at home to Providence, 103-98 in overtime. Not a good league this year, the Big East. Doesn't mean there aren't good teams, decent teams, but by and large, not good. UC at home tonight in its final non-conference game against Detroit Mercy. The Bearcats are looking for their ninth win against four losses. All right. We got Marty Brenneman coming up to talk about uh, Tom Browning. Is he here already? He is here. He is here. I just left his house. We celebrated Christmas last night at the home of, oh, geez, oh, Pete's. Francesca Martin. <laughs> there she is right there, boys. Doesn't get she was really right not here. all that uh, outgoing and friendly last night. I mean, if she's not anywhere near your wife, Amanda, uh, she's not in a very good mood. Well, because she doesn't like a lot of people. She likes Amanda. She likes me. She likes Amanda's parents, uh, Pat and Gary, and she likes Kathy Curl a young woman who, God bless her, comes over and sits in our house when we go away on trips to take care of Millie and our cat, Baby. So there you go. She doesn't like a lot of people. Well, right does, does she like being on uh, streaming television here? She loves this. She loves this. See, see how photogenic she is? She really is. She's adorable. Now I'm going to put you down now. You can't bark anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay? Kisses right. and everything. Doesn't get any better than that. Doesn't get any better than that. There you go. Hey, if you're looking for a great Christmas present, go out and find a dog. Lots of shelter dogs out there. SPCA. Wholeheartedly endorse that. Go by the SPCA, and they've got a whole bunch of them. That's exactly right. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Do you guys have dogs, by the way, Casey, Paul? uh, Yes, no? Thinking about it? Yes. I I did have a dog. Uh, Actually, my first dog was named Millie, and we had to return it because it was so wild. Aw. Really? Yeah, it was it was a dog. It had some trauma, and it wouldn't go over a threshold. So, like, if we took her outside, she'd take, like, 20 minutes to get back over the door to come back inside. And when she got inside, she'd never want to go outside. So we gave it, like, three I'll months, and we, we couldn't couldn't make it work. That's too bad. I know. Yeah. But then I, had a, then I had another dog for about 15 years, and that worked out great. Yeah. And I currently have a dog right now. Her name's Nala. She's a black mutt. Nice. What's her name? Nala. Like the spell that. N a l a. And where does that come from? That name? It's from the Lion King. Lion That's King. where it originated from. Lion the King. Cinemas. You're a big theater guy, Dad. You've probably seen the Lion King down there at the uh, Aronoff. I'm imagining, right? I don't. Th- I think I've missed that. You did. I don't think I've seen The Lion King. I know Amanda has because she's seen just about every show that's ever been on Broadway going back to the day she was born. So I don't I, – I, that I'm sure she's seen. I don't think I have it, I would, but I would like to see it. I think yeah. it's probably a great show. What is this? It says uh, – rumor has it – we have one of our viewers, Dad, that says rumor has it, while I was at your house last night, I was trying to teach you how to do the gritty. Have you ever done the gritty, the dance that Jamar Chase does when he scores a touchdown? I have not. <laughs> I have not. And that, that rumor is just what it is, a rumor. And I did not do – I have not tried to do the gritty. Um, I, I don't do it for a number of reasons, the most important of which is nobody does it as good as Jamar Chase does, and he has occasion to do it a lot. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Hey, I, yes. I want to shift gears to um, a couple of things here. Let's start with, with, with the news about um, 
Carlos Correa. Um, you know, kind of waiting to find out what the deal is. Apparently, they do a physical on him, the Giants, as every team would do when you're getting right. ready to sign a player, whether it's for $10 or $350 million. Uh, apparently, there was some disagreement about some of the results and what they meant between his agent, Scott Boris, and ownership of the Giants. And I mean, out of nowhere, not going to say out of nowhere, because the Mets were trying to sign him originally. They thought they were going to get him. Then they didn't. Signs with the Giants. And now he's a New York Met. Can you believe what the Mets have done this offseason? There's never been anything like it. Well, we've talked about this before. I get tired of talking about it, quite honestly. Um, the man spends $800 million. His goal when he bought the damn team was to make it a world championship team. And having... Oh, by the way, being the most wealthy man among all owners in Major League Baseball, he has opted to spend almost a billion dollars in one offseason uh, in order to put his club in a position to do just what he wanted to do when he bought the team. Um, you know, like, it's his money. If he wants to spend that money, then God bless him. I, what I'm interested in is knowing what the aftermath of this, for want of a better term, a flip, um, from Correa going from the Giants to the New York Mets, and what will there be any ramifications whatsoever? Now, obviously, uh, I would not imagine Correa had any legal uh, obligation uh, to carry through to the end as far as the Giants are concerned. Maybe he does. I don't know. But as soon as the word came that there was a holdup, uh, because of some disagreement among certain facets of his physical. And all of a sudden, he crosses the country and signs that incredible contract with the New York Mets. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of the San Francisco giant camp now in the aftermath of this sudden change and, and Korea ending up in a, in a Mets uniform. I don't all think right. this thing's over yet. Okay. Okay, well, 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 I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, Cohen comes, like I said, swooping in. Apparently, he negotiated this deal with your good friend, Scott Boris, uh, while they were in Hawaii, of all places. It's not a bad place yeah. to be hanging out. Something you might be doing, but... Um, Especially come Friday. Yeah, it's a, yeah, no kidding. Uh, Casey's already upset. We talked about this before you came on, how he lets, lets the weather affect his mood, and he's already sad because it's going to be cold on Friday. Well, hey, Casey. Yeah. Casey, I agree with you 100%, man. Thank you, Mark. It affects my mood also. <laughs> Which means both of you guys are in a pretty horseshit mood in the wintertime on a daily basis, right? <laughs> yeah. Basically. Well, when you talk about the weather, it'll put me in that type of mood. You can All count right. on that. All right. Um, I want to talk about Tom Browning. Yeah. You just saw it couple of days ago. I saw you him thought Saturday. he looked great, yeah. right? Tom, when, when Amanda and I went to his wife Debbie's funeral visitation back in March, and he looked as bad as I have ever seen him in the almost 40 years that I've known the man. Uh, he had lost a, a woeful amount of weight. He uh, His skin coloring was bad. He just looked terrible. And then when I see and I've seen him a number of times since then, but I've never paid a whole lot of attention because the transformation, for want of a better term, was gradual. So I see him Saturday down at the Reds Hall of Fame. He was there with two of his grandchildren. 
he looked the epitome of good health. He had put on weight. Uh, he had not put on an overly large amount of weight to, to look obese or semi-obese or whatever the case might be. His color was good. And I told him, he looked so good. I told him, I said, Tom, I cannot ever remember seeing you when you looked as good as you look today. And we talked and we talked about going out to the Reds fantasy camp. He goes, the man and I are going to go this year for the second time. And, and looking forward to that, um, he just seemed very optimistic and he looked healthy. And then in less than 48 hours, he has left us. And, and it, was, it was really hard for me to accept it when I found out on Monday. Um, I turned down all TV interviews because emotionally I could not do it. Um, I, uh, I, I, have, I don't remember anything affecting me like that in the recent years. And, and uh, to know that he's gone um, is, is sometimes hard for me to accept. And I think that's a reason why I was, I was so emotionally caught up in the tragic news that, that came out on Monday afternoon about Tom passing. You know, we had uh, both Paul Doherty and Tracy Jones on yesterday sharing uh, some of their thoughts and memories about Tom Browning. And while no one would ever go as far uh, as to say that, that, that anybody could compare with uh, Joe Nuxall, you know, if for no other reason, he born and raised right down the street from where our studios are here, right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I put Sean Casey and Tom Browning in that next category where if they weren't Joe Nuxall, they weren't all that far behind as far as their popularity with the fans and the way they treated people and the way they carried themselves uh, day in and day out, no matter who you were, no matter what you did. Well, I mean, you just summed it up. Uh, there were so many uh, characteristics that you could parallel one to the other. Uh, and, you know, on top of that, when Tom played, uh, the, he was not any closer to a teammate uh, than he was with Joe. He and Joe were just very, very close. Um, and, and all the attributes that Joe exuded over low the many years that he was so beloved in this town, Tom had many of the same ones. Uh, great storyteller, uh, very approachable. Never saw anyone uh, reluctant to approach him because they knew the type of person that he was when it came along with fans. Never heard anybody say anything negative about Tom Browning and uh, by, by any of the baseball fans that, that watched him pitch. And, and the other thing that I think needs to be pointed out about his popularity, Tom, is that he's not one of these guys that spend his career here uh, he and and except for a couple of games with the Kansas City Royals at the end of his career, essentially his entire uh, run at, as a Major League Baseball player, with that one minor exception, was spent here in Cincinnati. He didn't leave and go to California or go to Florida or go to some warm weather place and live. He stayed here, and for this town, as provincial a town as there is in the United States. That's that was important to people. Uh, I think it was important to people without even articulating it. The fact that they knew that Tom Browning lived in Northern Kentucky and that Tom Browning stayed here after he stopped playing baseball and he was out and about and people would see him at Kroger. They would see him 
at the UDF store. They would see him at the service station, uh, at the drug stores, whatever the case might be. Tom Browning was always around. And, and I think that played a big part in the fact that um, he was one of the most loved players to ever put on a Cincinnati uniform. And I think it's coming uh, to the forefront uh, bigger than ever right now in, in light of his tragic passing. I want to ask you about a couple of the, the moments in his career, both on the field and, and, and to some extent off the field. Uh, he obviously was tagged with the nickname Mr. Perfect through the only perfect game in the history of the franchise. You were on the mic that night on a Friday night against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Joe Nuxall was still with us back in those days. Um, you know, what do you remember most about that night? Well, I think the most, of the, other than the fact that, you know, he does something that only 22 other pitchers have ever done, um, I, I remember the long rain delay uh, and the fact that the game didn't get underway until, I think, 10-15, 10-18, something like that. Um, and then the game took less than uh, two hours uh, because, and also, I think, overlooked in the game was the fact that Tim Belcher was brilliant. I mean, he wasn't perfectly brilliant. But he, he gave up one run. It was a one nothing final score. And the only run that the Reds scored was an unearned run as a result of a throwing error. And I also remember the fact that I don't know that, but there was maybe one ball hit the entire night off Tom that when it left the bat, you instantaneously thought, well, that's got a chance to break it up. Uh, also, the fact that when you speak about perfect games, you know, you, you think about people like Nolan Ryan, who had seven of them. You think about uh, Sandy Koufax. Uh, I, well, Ryan had seven no-hitters. But, uh, and, 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 uh, and Koufax Randy had Johnson, five. And, I was there for one. Yeah, Randy, one, you yeah. think about guys that threw 95 to 100 miles an hour. Tom Browning, at his best, would maybe throw 90 or 91. But there was never a pitcher any better uh, including the master of all masters, Greg Maddox, that knew the art of pitching and what it took in order to be successful when you don't have an overpowering pitch to put people away. And he was never better than he was that night. He worked very quickly, which he always did. Um, he, he pitched a contact because he knew he wasn't a strikeout pitcher. And it was just a brilliant performance. And, you know, Given the fact that he wasn't a power pitcher, ironically, the 27th and final out was he struck out Tracy Woodson swinging on a pitch up and in. Um, you know, it, it was a highlight for me. I think any broadcaster that has the right, has the privilege and honor of broadcasting a perfect game realizes that, you know, they don't come along every day. As I said, only 23 pitchers in the history of, of baseball have, have pitched perfect games. And so it, it, was a, it was a memorable night uh, for everyone there. And I think it, the one thing that we'll never be able to document is the number of people who said, who will say today, just like the number of people uh, and with the passing of years, there are not a whole lot of them still around, but those used to say, you know, I was there when Joe Nuxall uh, became the youngest player in the history of baseball when he broke in against the Cardinals at 15 years old. And there are those who say, well, I was there that night when Browning pitched a perfect game. There might have been a lot of people who were there when the game was supposed to start and then left in the two-hour-plus uh, delay before it finally got underway. But the fact of the matter is uh, it was a great night. Uh, 
I don't know that there was a player on that team that wasn't just out of their mind with with thrills over the fact that, <laughs> excuse me, Tom Browning was a guy uh, that got a perfect game because he was such a popular member of that baseball team. Another moment was when you're broadcasting the World Series in 1990, and you mentioned his wife, Debbie. Uh, and all of a sudden, walk us through what happened that night. Well, you know, that was the night that uh, <clears throat> the Reds came back and tied that game up late. Uh, and what we didn't know until the story came out was that uh, Tom, who was scheduled to pitch game three, which after the off day the next day was going to resume in Oakland, um, and Pinella had sent him home uh, or sent him to the hospital when the, when the club got word that Debbie had left home and gone into labor, was headed to the hospital. Um, Lou Pinella told Tom, go ahead, we're not going to need you tonight because you're pitching game three. And, and so Tom left the ballpark and, and went to the hospital. In the meantime, you know, the Reds came back, tied it up, and the, then the game now, the game is going to go into extra innings. And I think Lou panicked a little bit because then the realization hit him that if this game goes too many innings, I'm going to have no choice but to pitch Tom Browning. So we're in the broadcast booth, Joe and I, and a call comes up and uh, Dave Armbruster, our engineer, uh, says, hey, we just got a call from the clubhouse. Lou wants you to put out an appeal to get Tom Browning back to the ballpark. Well, I don't know about Debbie going into labor and, and we're trying to factor all of this information in because the initial thought I had was, this is a phony deal here. Uh, somebody's trying to play a prank on us and and then I find out Debbie's been going to the hospital to have the baby and Tom was allowed to go home. So then we realized it and we put the plea out on, on the air uh, to, for Tom to return to the ballpark as quickly as he could. Uh, I, sometime back, I watched uh, part of that game uh, on a DVD and it was interesting because Tim McCarver was working the, the World Series and he, he announced on uh, network television, he said, Marty Brenneman, uh, one of the broadcasters uh, for the Cincinnati Reds has just sent out this strange plea uh, to get Tom Browning back to the ballpark. He said, we're trying to, to find out exactly what the particulars are on this, but we know that that has occurred on the Reds radio network. Well, Tom got the message and uh, immediately turned around and, and started back to the ballpark. And, you know, before he got back, Joe Oliver had the base hit off of uh, – Dennis Eckersley that uh, scored Billy Bates from second and the Reds win that game in extra innings. But it it was one of the most bizarre things that I've ever seen. And uh, it was a nice memory to think back on, uh, especially because of the Reds were able to come back and win that game. You know, the, the, the third and final one I want to ask you about that so many people, I, I, we were in here yesterday looking at the picture that was posted, um, a still picture, color photo uh, of Browning sitting there uh, out on Sheffield on a rooftop uh, during a Reds game. Obviously, he was not pitching in the game. Uh, and it's one of those moments that on so many levels, you are never going to see anything like it again in baseball. I mean, maybe as rare as a guy throwing a perfect game, maybe more rare. The fact that, yes. that he went out there, those rooftops have become so corporate now uh, you can't even watch the games barely from half of them anymore. Um, do you remember the moment you actually saw him up there and you were thinking what? 
Well, I didn't see it. Joe saw it. Um, I was doing the play-by-play, so my my uh, attention was uh, uh, confined basically to what was going on down on the field. And Joe saw him sitting out there, and 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 call my attention to it on the air. And I look up to beyond right field and see him sitting with his legs hanging over the ledge of the, uh, the rooftop. And I, I I don't know that I was able to. Uh, accept it in my mind that what I'm looking at is real. And then we realized that it was Browning. It, initially, you couldn't really tell, but then when you look after a few seconds, you realize who it is. Um, and I was stunned. I, and I'm sure everybody else was too. And, and then, you know, uh, the Reds players were looking out from, you know, the first base dugouts and visiting dugout at Wrigley Field and were looking out and up into uh, the top of the building and seeing Tom uh, there with a smile on his face, surrounded by, I would assume, Cubs fans. Uh, That was bizarre moment number two uh, as it related to Tom Browning. Uh, You know, Tom's thinking there, the club was not playing well. And, and, uh, you know, the Cubs were not a very good ball club back then. And and, and he, he felt that there was something that needed to be done to shake that team up to get them to loosen up a little bit. Um, and they did start playing better baseball uh, after that happened. But Davey Johnson was manager of the club, and Davey was not happy at all about it. Uh, I think Tom was fine uh, for it, and uh, uh, Davey was a little bit bent out of shape that he, he thought it was unprofessional. Uh, I don't know that under the circumstances it was that dastardly, if you will. Um but it was a memorable moment, and I'm sure that there were Cub fans and there were uh, those of you sitting in the Chicago Cubs broadcast booth, as you were that day, um, that saw the moment and will never forget it. It was amazing. Yeah, it really was. Uh, maybe I haven't asked you, and I, I guess I'll ask you now. I mean, maybe there's something that, that that's not the rooftop, that's not the perfect game, that's not whatever, that, that – for you stands out or that you remember most about Tom Browning. And that could be, you know, uh, uh, something on the field. It could be something that you saw at a, at a Reds fest or with a fan or on the road, whatever it might be. It was on the field and it epitomized what Tom Browning as a competitor was all about. And that was a day in San Francisco at Candlestick Park when he was pitching and pitching with a lead. And he was batting with a runner at first base. I don't know who it was that opened the inning by reaching. Browning's job was to get him over with a bunt. And he squared around a bunt and fouled the ball off, and it hit him right there, right below his lower lip in that little crevice there, I think it was, between the chin and that, that, that area of skin leading up to your lower lip and split him wide open. Time was called. And uh, I don't even remember what year it was, so I I can't recall who the manager was, but whoever it was came out there and said, we got to get you out of here. And he said, there's no way in hell I'm coming out of this game. Yeah, I got the lead. I am not coming out. A doctor came out of the stands and sewed him up lying down on the grass behind home plate at Candlestick Park and the doctor stitched him up, and he went back out into the game and got the win. 
Never yeah, saw you, anything you, like that before. Never will again. You know, it's funny you bring that up, and I, I said this to Tracy Jones yesterday when he remembered that moment. I had, I, you know, I was doing the Reds games on TV at the time. I think it was '88, but we were not doing that game. And the guy that I heard that story from, and it just goes to show you what the impression you make on guys you play against. Bob Brenly was the catcher for the Giants. And he's right there behind home plate when this happens. Yeah. And, and when the lip is split, the chin split, he's thinking, Brenly was one of the all-time tough guys, as we know. Yeah. Uh, and he's thinking to himself, you have got to be kidding me. This guy's going to stay in the game and stitch him up right here on the field and not leave in the right. game. He said, he said to this day, like you, he says, never seen anything like it. Never. Uh, and and it, like I said, if there needs to be one example of what Tom Browning, the competitor, was all about, that was it. Because I've never heard of anybody having that situation even remotely similar to it. Uh, you automatically uh, operate under the assumption that when something like that happens, you're going out of the game. And they're going to get a relief pitcher in there to continue, not with Browning on the mound. Not happening. Was not happening. Well, before I let you go, uh, your grandson, uh, not Luke Brenneman, uh, but Aiden Shirley, he's out of school today. And he promised yes. me that he was going to be watching the show today. And he is actually in our chat letting everybody know that he is watching you right now. Well, he is a very fine young man. Uh, I'm blessed with having great grandchildren. Every one of them I have, I, I, with great prejudice, I label as great. And, and he's the youngest of them all. Uh, <clears throat> he might be the most articulate of them all. Uh, he's not short on vocabulary at his age. Uh, he makes great grades like Luke Brenneman does. And, uh, and I'm, Ella Brenneman. I'm very, and Ella Brenneman both. Ella's yeah. a sophomore at TCU, and we don't know where Luke's going to go to college yet, but he's already been accepted at TCU in Indiana. Uh, so he'll have a decision to make. But but Aiden is a very special young man who uh, I'm, I know is a, is a, the pride of, of James and Ashley, his parents. And uh, he's a great kid. And I know we had, we had a great time with him last night, especially Luke, who loves to take little kids like that and really get them wound up, which he's very good at. Well, I, I think you're also um, uh, find a way to get him wound up because you were you were you were jabbing. <laughs> Tom, can I make one point? Of of course. I mean, this is this is the Marty Brenneman show. When you come on, this is about Tom Browning, and I we found this out this morning. The, the Reds have erected a at um, the, uh, oh, the the main gate. At, Hang on, Dad, Dad, Dad. Let me interrupt you. You're getting a phone call that's fans down. And sign it. The banner will be Dad, up between. Dad, Dad, hang on, hang on. Start over again with that because your phone started buzzing and it cut off your microphone. Start oh, this over again. We they, want to hear this. Yeah, the Reds. The Reds announced that they have erected a banner at the front gate at uh, Great American Ballpark uh, to the uh, a tribute to the memory of Tom Browning, and they are inviting fans beginning right now through the holidays. It'll be up until January the fifth to come down and sign the banner. Uh, any and all that want to come by at any time beginning now through uh, uh, up until January the 5th, that banner will then be erected uh, in the Reds Hall of Fame and hang for a, a, a good period of time. Uh, it's an opportunity for fans to show what they think uh, they thought about Tom and, and, and honor his memory by signing this banner. So that's up there now. Uh, 
at the front gate of Great American Ballpark, and there will be people there to help you to sh- if you can't find it to sign that banner and honor Tom's memory. All right. Well, Dad, it's uh, it's great seeing you. Uh, a lot of folks on the uh, the chat are chiming in, wishing you a um, a Merry Christmas, you and Amanda and the entire family. So uh, all Thank of you. us say the same, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again next week. All right, Tom. Paul, you and Casey have a great Christmas, man. Well, K- Casey, it's going to be a bad day, I'm sure, because the weather's <laughs> not expected to be very good. So let's I just have Casey a crummy a day on Christmas because it's cloudy. Yeah, I know. That's true. Yeah, it could be 58 degrees, but if it's cloudy, then he'll be glum. Unfortunately, I will be <laughs> okay, boys. it up. All right, Dad, I'll talk to you later. See you, Marty. See you, Marty. Okay, Tom. All right. Take care. All right. All right. See uh, we, I mean, we got Anonymous. We got everybody here wishing uh, Marty a Merry Christmas. Um, Boom Shakalaka says, do I have some pull at TCU? I have no pull. The only pull I have is out of my uh, wallet. <laughs> That ain't cheap down there. It's not cheap. No. One of those private, you know, country club schools. Casey, before we switch topics here, I see Seth talking about the picture from Tom Browning. Throw that up here one more time just for people that haven't seen it while Marty was talking about it. It's a great picture. Marty told a great story about it. Yeah, and you know, you're just, you're, you're, I was doing the game for the, uh, I, w- I was the announcer for the Cubs at the time. Uh, you, you just couldn't believe it. And, and it's something, you know, the thing about Tom Browning on so many levels, and we got into this a little bit yesterday, but there are so many things about him that you're never going to see in baseball anymore, and it's such a shame. You start with his stuff. And, I mean, look, the guy won 123 games. He threw a perfect game. He was a 20-game winner. I mean, this guy had a phenomenal career. But you just start with his stuff. And I talk to guys all the time that are still very, very involved in baseball all the time. Bill Bavese comes to mind, okay? He, he was the general manager of the Angels and the Mariners, and he became an assistant under Walt Jockety with the Reds. Still very involved in the game internationally. Um, and, and he's part of that, that organization uh, showcase where great players come in, high school players, and they showcase their talents playing, pitching against one another, that kind of thing. You don't even get a sniff if you have the stuff Tom Browning had. Not a sniff. And, and really, uh, he wasn't getting a sniff coming out of Wyoming, and he goes and, and he plays three years at a small college, and he goes down to Tennessee, small college. He's, you know, very late-round draft pick. Um, then he gets signed. And we documented yesterday. They put him in the Pioneer League. That's uh, the, the Reds were in Billings, Montana forever. He pitches there for one short season. Okay, so now he comes back the next year for his first full year of professional baseball. He spends half a year at A-ball in Tampa. They move him up. He spends the second half of that year at A. The next year, his second full year in pro ball, he starts the year at A. He is there not even two and a half months, and he's making his major league debut in July, and he never got sent down again. Okay, so that doesn't happen anymore. You just don't see it. They're babying, they're coddling, they're doing all of these things instead of getting guys that they feel are ready to the big league level, right? They want to monitor their 
arbitration eligible years and their free agent years, right? Okay, so that's one, the stuff. Two, the progression through the minor leagues. Let's now go to three. And three being during his minor league career, in each of his two full seasons, he threw well over 200 innings. Never had an injury. That doesn't happen anymore. It's rare to see major league pitchers throw 200 or more innings in a season. You've got guys that were signed in the last couple of days, right? That are starting pitchers that are throwing 130, 140 innings in a season. Tom Browning was boat racing that in the minor leagues. So you don't see that anymore, okay? Now you throw up a picture like that. Can you see any player who's on the active roster? That's the thing you have to remember about this now. We saw Joey Votto once he got hurt, you know, and he wasn't going to play anymore the rest of the season. He sat in the stands, had a great time. Fans were loving it. It was awesome. But he's not in uniform with a chance to come into a game. You're never going to see it again. Never. On all of those things that I just listed off. Now, do you think baseball is better off by not having any of those things anymore? You're a baseball guy, Paul, and we know the case he is with uh, his affinity for uh, Yogi Barroa. I think in a 162-game season, mixing in some of these things throughout the year, like, obviously you have to take the game seriously. Obviously it's not a joke. You're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to go out there and perform for your team. But for some of these pitchers that aren't pitching, you know, you, you see them, you, sometimes you'll see videos of guys throwing with somebody in the stands before the game. You know, guys during batting practice will find a kid and, and they'll play catch with a kid before yep. the game and try to be as interactive as possible. But it just feels like in general, sports, have, they've changed so much over the last, you know, players have gotten so much better. Like, could you imagine Mike Trout 50 years ago? I mean... The, the way that players these days have started to specialize on sports at such a young age and the, the seriousness that sports have become in the last 30 to 40 years. I mean, I don't know. It's, yeah, you're never going to see anything like that. All right, here's again. a question I want to ask both of you, and I'm going to throw it to you for the break, our first break, correct? Yes. All right, but when, when I come back, which I'll do my best to be quiet this time and not say anything out of line, <laughs> um, do you think that we don't see that in sports anymore because of, one, the money, two, social media? Okay? Okay. All right. You guys think about that, and I'll be back. All right. Play the hits, Casey. It's that type of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Just to go off of what Tom said before we get into the segment that Casey and I had planned for this part of the show, I do think that there is an element. It, what I will say, Casey, is when you talk about social media, I think money plays a big part of it. I think that the the money that is in sports right now, we talked about in this day in history, which we're going to do here in a minute. We talked about in this day in history a few, a few days ago, uh, there was a, a record signing. I'm trying to go back and find it here, but it was... It was a baseball signing. Here it was a few days ago, December 15th. Dave Winfield became the highest paid player. 10 years, $15 million. 
That was just 42 years ago. That was in 1980 that Dave Winfield was the highest player in the league at $15 million. You're talking about Carlos Correa, who just signed for $315 million. And when you start throwing around that kind of money, you just can't goof around. You can't do – not that you could goof around before, but those kinds of numbers and those kinds of things, you're judged more critically. There are – there. it's easier – to be judged now, going into my second point, because of social media. You don't have that freedom. Every, everything that you do is judged. Everything you do is on video. If you go and you do something in the stands, every once in a while you'll see videos of people that are sitting courtside at an NBA game and and those, those players that'll turn around on the bench or they'll be talking. And there was a video of LeBron a few years ago doing a bottle flip at the end of, a, uh, at the, end of the bench of a, of a game. And it was a blowout of a game. And I remember seeing a lot of negative reaction, like, oh, he's not taking the game seriously. And it's like, I don't know, to me, th- that gets a little tired where sometimes in a blowout of a game like that, like, hey, you can have a little – you don't – there's a way to, to – be respectful about it. You don't have to clown on the other team necessarily. Just you have some fun with it. And in social media too, I think it's it's possible to uh, be more relatable with everybody else, right? Because you're you're more <laughs> you're relatable. You're more <laughs> hello, Tom. Okay, just out here telling these guys. Uh, you know, headlines is out here. They got the Marymont. They have a set of Marymont uniforms out here. And I tell them, that's the Conference of Champions, CHL. I mean, you know, they talk about the GCL and the GMC and all this stuff. Just look around. CHL, multiple sports, boys and girls, home of state champions. That would be like the Pac-12 logo where they call it the Conference of Champions. And what they call it? Sure. That is a CHL, Conference of Champions. I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you guys talking about? <laughs> well, <laughs> Casey, your thoughts. Yeah, just... <laughs> What the hell is so funny? Well, you left us with a question, so that's what we've been talking about this whole time. You guys started this guy. That didn't mean for you guys to talk about this while I was gone, so I've missed all of that now. So you guys were talking about the money versus social media? Yeah, well, Casey hasn't shared his thought yet. Casey, please. Oh, I mean, I, I think it has to be both, right? I mean, every little thing that happens now in social media today, or just... In a sports, in a professional sports era, every little detail is noticed. Every little play, every swing, every pitch, every catch, every mistake is recorded and just shared with everyone. There's no getting around it. And it happens every single game. So to me, the pressure is on these guys to perform. And when your team gives this massive contract and they don't perform, it is just anarchy. It doesn't matter how well the rest of the team is doing. If that one player is not succeeding, it overshadows everything. And a really good example of this right now is the the Kenny Galladay. A lot of Cincy fans really wanted Kenny Galladay over Jamar Chase or or whoever. They, 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 They were... Wanting Kenny Galladay, there was a movement. He goes to the Giants on a huge deal. He hasn't done anything. Yet, you will see Giants Twitter 
or just Giants media in general, not really recognize their success on offense or what they've been able to accomplish so far. The buzzer should be going off at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but my point is people will go. Yeah, there it is. People what what are you be, saying I, here, Casey? I'm just saying that everything is amplified. I think it does, it, it's money and social media. It, it's just amplified. I, I, th- I think that, and then I said this while you were out, Tom. Basically, I, I pointed out that last week we did on, the, on December 15th, we did the, this day in history. Dave Winfield signed for 10 years, $15 million. That was the highest paid player at the mm-hmm. time. Carlos Correa just signed for $315 million. And when you combine the money with the fact that, like Casey said, everything's on camera and if you joke around and you know the other a little part of this that i don't think plays a huge part in it uh, but it it might as time goes on is betting too imagine if you bet on a team and you start seeing the guys joking around and then you start to get frustrated like just as a fan because the the fans have become so connected with sports now that they have social media you can interact look at kevin durant Kevin Durant is so active on Twitter, and he'll, he's not afraid to go after a fan that's in his mentions. And I like that. I respect that out of Kevin Durant because there is a human element to it. Everybody always wants to get up there in a press conference, and they always want to say, no, you know, we don't read the news clippings. We don't read social media. We don't do-. But you're a human being. If you see negative feedback, you want to read it. You want to read about yourself. You want to see what people are saying. And sometimes you want to fire back at people. Sometimes you want to say something. You want to defend yourself. And you have access to that now on social media. And the other thing, too, is that everybody in sports now is able to create their own narrative about themselves. You don't, If you want to advertise for something, if you want something written about you, you don't have to call up the columnist at your local paper. You don't have to go to the beat writer and say, hey, I have a story for you. You can just talk to your own creative team, and they can publish anything they want. And they can flip the narrative, they can form a narrative, they can do whatever they want just based on your own creative direction. And all of this, I think, is intertwined in going back to a picture like that with Tom Browning where everything is so curated, everything is so defined now that you're just, you don't see that spontaneity as much. as. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Change isn't always bad. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. All right, it was just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah. We do have a This Day in History. I don't know if you want to do we that. We do. Now. Let's hear it. All right. December 21st. We have some, have some fun ones today. The year of our Lord. Have some, fun, have some fun ones. Okay. All the way back in 1891. Wow. The first official basketball game with rules and officials was played in Springfield, Massachusetts. There we go. 1891. Can you imagine back in like 1950, if you took the players back in 1950 and you watched those black and white highlights and you showed them what basketball looks like now, what they they must think they're wizards. <laughs> well, they, they they probably think they come from a foreign planet. I mean, another planet because <laughs> of how big and strong and all the things of how fast and quick, all the things they can do with a ball. It's mind-boggling. The ball handling is insane. But I tell you what, I guarantee you, you could take a handful of shooters off all those teams back then and help a lot of teams right now that can't shoot. Yeah. That, I, that's the only part of it that you could say, I'll bet you that they had a lot of guys that could shoot better than some of the guys today. Yeah. 
All right, 1959, Tom Landry named the Cowboys head coach. Leader of men. Leader of men. That's a leader of men. You talk to people, and I've had the, the opportunity to be around people that played for that guy. Great coach. Great man. True leader of men. And he looked good, too, standing on the sidelines. Not walking around with some hoodie on that's got holes and all that crap all over it go ahead what's next <laughs> two more cincinnati the university of cincinnati beat bradley 75 to 73 in an ncaa record seven overtimes in 1981 and that's when bradley was one of the top college basketball programs in the country and we know uc was too yeah Seven overtimes. Seven oh this goes back to your scoring, Tom. Seven overtimes and the final score was seventy-five to seventy-three. There you go. Good defense. Guard him up. Gritty. Real men. Go ahead. Nineteen ninety seven, last one for today. Barry Sanders becomes the third NFL running back to run for over 2,000 yards. Now, there is a guy, and I talk about Chris Spielman all the time because he's, he's one of my all-time favorite human beings that's ever walked the planet. I have incredible admiration for him. Um, and I wasn't broadcasting when he was playing. He had already retired by then. But he was my partner in the booth, and he was a teammate of Barry Sanders. And, man... You know, look, Chris Spielman was the first guy. I mean, his teammates wanted to fight Chris Spielman because in practice, he's lighting guys up. During games, he's lighting them up for not playing well. Uh, he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the all-time tough guys in the history of football, Benny Blades, who was a safety on those Lions teams out of the University of Miami at Florida. And those two went at it all the time. Have incredible respect for one another. Uh, then, even though they didn't see eye to eye. But to hear um, Chris Spielman talk about Barry Sanders. Now, there's one of those guys where you could watch his highlight reel 30 years from now and you'd say, that cat could still play today. Yep. Yep. Retired far too young. It's a lion's curse. Although you keep telling us this is their year. You said it from the beginning, Casey. I believe. You weren't believing at one and six. Well, I was just hiding the weeds. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> all right. Since we're on the NFL legends topic, do you want to? Do you have any uh, interesting stories about Franco Harris or anything interesting that you want to share? No, I. I mean, yeah, no, I, I. I didn't know Franco Harris. I met him uh, when I was doing a Steelers game very briefly. Um, but no, I, I, I just think it's, it's really sad because one, I think it's appalling that the Steelers have waited 50 years to retire this guy's Jersey. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, you know, we talk about this and we have talked about this, uh, as it pertains to uh, baseball players, specifically Pete Rhodes, specifically, um, getting into the hall of fame after they're dead. And I told a story about Ron Santo former great Cub third baseman, and how he, from a time he was 17 years old, was diagnosed with diabetes, played his whole career, day games, night games, day games at Wrigley, night games on the road, insulin, taking injections, all this kind of stuff, becomes a Cubs broadcaster. Uh, the diabetes starts to take further effect on his body. They amputate one leg. 
They amputate a second leg. This guy was waiting year after year after year after year after year after year after year to get in the Hall of Fame. He finally drops dead, and they put him in the Hall of Fame. It, it, it was one of the saddest things. And, and, and look, I, I'm separating it from real problems for real people that we see every day that are living on the street, freezing cold, um, you know, uh, someone taking their life and leaving behind children, wives. Uh, th those are real issues, starvation, children, whatever it might be. But to see this Ron Santo thing, it, it, it was just brutal. And, and it, it made me angry because it made me angry on two fronts. He didn't pad his stats after he'd been retired for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Right? He didn't have another at bat. So nothing made him any better 40 years from now or 40 years later after he stopped playing. He couldn't add to the stats, so they were what they were. But they, they, they're good enough 40 years later, but they weren't good 40 years before, right? So for the Steelers, who normally find a way to do everything top-notch, whether you like the Steelers or a lot of Bengal fans hate the Steelers, what cannot be denied is their commitment to excellence. I know the Raiders have used that term, but the Steelers are the very definition in the National Football League to commitment to excellence. They always have competitive teams, and they're never down for very long, and they're not going to be down for very long now. Championships, Hall of Fame players, coaches they stay with, who earn the right to stay with, okay? Not like Marvin Lewis here, right? Marvin Lewis did a great job cleaning up the mess, getting them from A to B, competing, good roster, talent evaluator, but after you lose a playoff game the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, done. Do you win? Done. Steelers would never do it. Would never happen. They're not going to watch some coach stick around whose team's getting their tails kicked every time they get in the playoffs. The first game in the playoffs. But that's for a different topic. But the Steelers, for them to wait this long to retire the jersey of a guy that's been in the Hall of Fame since, what, 2006? Is that what I read? Long time. Yeah, long time. Long time, right? Almost 20 years, 15 years, 16 years, whatever it is, to wait to retire his jersey. No one could have predicted he was going to die yesterday. I'm not suggesting that. But, I mean, come on. Come on. It's like the Bengals waiting all these years to start having this ring of honor. Yeah. Right? You got Bengals people that are complaining and moaning about none of their players getting the Hall of Fame except for Munoz, yet it took them 50 years as a franchise to start recognizing their own players in their own stadium. Right. It's right? Kinda, it's kind of weird now that you bring that up. When I think of Steelers, there's only a few that I think of. I think of some of the earlier generation like Troy Palomalu, James Harrison, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But then I think of Franco Harris, the bus, Heinz Ward, a couple other guys, um, some steel curtain guys. And he's not in. Like he's numbers not retired. Like it just doesn't make sense. Wouldn't he be one of the first? Lynn Swanson? Like there's so many. Is it because there were so many that they just 
Like well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, is Terry Bradshaw's jersey retired? Terry Bradshaw. I mean, you got Lynn Swan. You got Mean Joe Green. You got all these guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Shell. I mean, Lambert. List goes on. Jack Ham. I mean, all those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Every one of them. Um, and, and look, I'm not. I'm not trying to tell anybody. You know, everybody's going to do it different. We got a couple guys on the chat that are sitting there saying, well, this team doesn't do it, and that team doesn't do it. Not many teams do it. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, there are a lot of teams that do do it. And when you go to their stadium, it's amazing to watch and just sit there if you've got time before a game or a commercial break or at halftime and start looking around and reading the names, as you will one day at Paycor Stadium when they start inducting more and more Bengals and the memories they bring back or even sitting with your son or your daughter and they'll say, Hey dad, who was Anthony Munoz? Well, let me tell you, Anthony Munoz was the greatest offensive lineman in the history of football. That's who he was. And not only that, he was a man of incredible integrity and character and honor and commitment and faith and all those kinds. Those are the things having those names up there in, in, in whatever stadium you go to, whatever franchise you root for, those are the things that are important to a franchise. The Reds have it. You know, you sit there underneath the, the home plate area there and they've got the, the jerseys retired there. You know, Frank Robinson, Joe Morgan, uh, Pete, uh, uh, Johnny Bench. You know, th th those things are important to have. And, and I'm just, I'm really, it, it just makes me sad. And part of me, it makes me a little, as someone suggested in here, the word triggered that, um, that the Steelers didn't have Franco Harris up there before he died. And I think that's too bad. And I'm not, I'm not picking on the Steelers because I have incredible respect for them. There's a difference when you go in to broadcast a Steeler game than there are most other franchises around the NFL. Because where you walk into their offices to get into their locker room and go meet with their coaches and players, as we used to do, when you walk in there, man, there are Super Bowl trophies everywhere. I mean everywhere. Well, they got five, six, seven of them in there? Six. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And there they are. All the great pictures. All the great players. They have a lot of players who are invited back by the Roonies. On a Friday, you'll see some of them hanging around. That's where I met Franco Harris. The only time I ever met him. And um, that's, it's, a, it's a franchise of champions. I'm sure that will be an incredibly... Have the Steelers announced what they're going to do now about this? I don't because think so. Because the man just died. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if he lives in Pittsburgh year-round, whether he kept his home there or lives somewhere else. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know if that means the family, just days after losing Franco Harris, whether it was his wife, his sons, daughters, whatever, grandchildren, I don't know. Um, you know, would they come back? Because that game is on Saturday, right? Or is that game t tomorrow night? No, it's not Thursday, is it? No. <clears throat> Steelers play on Saturday against the Raiders. Right. In yeah, it's a late game. 8-15. So it's a night game. Yeah. On Saturday night, it is. So I wonder what um, I wonder what they do for that, because that is going to be uh, just so emotional. Seth Pryor asked a question. I went off on the Marvin Lewis thing for a second there. 
He said, will the Bengals put Marvin Lewis in their Hall of Fame? The answer to that is absolutely they should. He's the all-time winningest coach in the history of the franchise. He turned this team from a laughing stock in the NFL to a competitive team that reached the playoffs multiple times. He had an outstanding career as a head coach. Outstanding career. He should definitely be in that Bengals Hall of Fame. You know, Casey, you agree? I do. I was kind of surprised, and this is a little old news, but I was surprised they didn't have more people join in the Hall of Fame for the Bengals, the Bengals Hall of Fame at the get-go. Like, they, they just induct 10. They only do two to start off, and now it's two every year, right? Is that what it is? I thought I, they – it was an only two this year. They had Willie Anderson, and they had Isaac Curtis. I thought they had a third this year. Uh, I'm not two? sure. Two? Okay, two it is. But, yeah, I mean, like, I felt like they would have they, – they should have done a overload to start it off and then just two over time. I don't know why they didn't do that because I know a lot of teams don't do it, obviously. There's some teams that have only been around the league for, like, 20 years. But for the Bengals case, I thought there was a lot of guys like Ken Riley that should be in there. Ken Anderson's not getting any older. Um, you know, you have to put in Paul Brown. You have or, to put or in... younger. He is getting older. <laughs> yeah. Unless he found the fountain found of youth him. somewhere in the drive up from Hilton Head, moving back to Cincinnati, which he uh, is doing today. He was going to be our uh, big interview. But Kenny's made his home down there in, uh, in Hilton Head for a number of years. And he said, you know what? I like Cincinnati better. <laughs> he may not feel that way on Friday. <laughs> There's a negative in front of the temperature on yeah, Friday. Yeah, I know that. Oh. But Casey, you, but, but you, I mean, your point is, is a valid one. I, I, the, only, the only thing that I would say is, is when you put in, and, and I'm not suggesting you can't do more than two, because I don't think there's wrong, anything wrong with three or four, especially like you said, Casey, you're just cranking it up and you're getting it started. I think you take away a little bit from uh, the, the impact it makes for these guys if you throw in eight or ten at one time. You know what I mean? Well, so you're saying it lessens the impact now? Or if they were to do that, it would have... I'm just saying it, it would take away from the celebration for the people that are going in when you have so many at one time. Is all I'm saying. Do a couple. Yeah. Well, so that, I like to see three or four. I think would be a you know four probably for these first or these next two or three years. Because like you said, I mean Kenny Anderson, he's got to be what in his now late sixties, something like that. Something like that. I would think, maybe older than that. And there's some guys that I know that I don't even know about that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame for the Bengals. What was that running back you, you brought up that didn't have the stats but had the – the uh, he was like a 10-touchdown receiver running back in something else? Who, who was it again? Yeah, I'm trying to <sighs> think who it was. You're right. You're right. Kenny Anderson, by the way, is 73 years old. Wow. James Brooks. James Brooks. I mean, now there's a guy. You're there's a guy. If he's not in the next two classes, and I know that for modern time. I mean, you know, look, you were a guy who's a huge Bengals fan, and, and, and neither one of you. When I brought up James Brooks, I'm not going to say, and you were thinking I'm talking about a man on the moon. 
But, but you didn't realize, until I pointed out, correct me if I'm wrong, that he was the all-time leading rusher in the history of the franchise when he retired, that he's one of X number of players that has this many rushing yards, this many receiving yards, this many uh, kickoff return yards, punt return yards in the history of football. You can make a strong argument that James Brooks belongs in the Hall of Fame, the big one, in camp. He's got to get in soon. Kenny Anderson's not in, right? Right. Boy. Munoz uh, is the only Bengals Hall of Famer. Well, the no, Bengals you got, Hall you of got, Famer. You got, oh, you mean the Hall of Famer. In Fame. the Hall Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Brown. Oh, uh, well, yeah. 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 But you're right. Only player yeah. in, in the history uh, to be with. I mean, you've got guys like in the more modern times, you're going to have people and people on the chat today. You know, they're talking about, you know, Ocho Cinco and A.J. Green. Uh, without a doubt. Marvin Lewis. Sam Weish, he's gone now. Uh, all of those guys belong in, in the Bengals' ring of honor, I think is what they're calling it, right? Not necessarily yeah. a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, like, they got some work to do on that deal. Um, Willie Anderson was a phenomenal player. A lot of people feel like he should be in the Football Hall of Fame. But but let's be honest about it. I mean, I... I'm, I was shocked when Willie Anderson went in before Kenny Anderson. Shocked. For the Bengals Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Kenny Anderson? Guy was an MVP of the league. Set the all-time record for some completion percentage in the history of football. Took you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll be surprised if he's not in next year. And well, see, I, that's where I don't I, like the fans. And, and, and normally I like the fans being involved in everything. But this is where I don't like the fans being involved. Because there are too many that don't remember. They don't remember. They're, and it's no fault of theirs. They're just not old enough. Yeah, and there's I mean, something to be said for people my age. And I'm not saying me. I don't deserve a vote, even though I've watched the Bengals basically since they started. But... There's something to be said to have a conversation with somebody where you say, man, you know, Chris Collinsworth, what a great player he was. People forget. Now you just know him as a broadcaster. There's a whole generation or two that that's all they know Chris Collinsworth as. A broadcaster. James Brooks. Kenny Anderson. Ken Riley. Blah, blah, blah. Boomer. Well, without a doubt, Boomer is size. I was surprised Boomer wasn't in either. I mean, there's a lot of guys, right? But that's kind of like I made the argument. They should have had like four or five guys to start. Now, wait a minute. Steve is pointing out that says Kenny Anderson is already in the ring of honor. Did he go in with Munoz? Am I wrong on that? Well, he did is they... in? I think so. All right, so, so then I've been way off base here. If I'm saying that he wasn't in, obviously way off base. I don't pay a ton of attention to it, to be completely honest. Yeah, he's in. Ken well, this year. Isaac, An Anderson and Riley. What about – I thought Willie Anderson went – I mean uh, – Willie Anderson and Isaac Curtis were just the latest. Anderson. So, he, Kenny went in the first year. Last year. All right, so there we go. Okay, he did go in, so I beg your pardon. But, um, yeah, so Munoz – Anderson and Paul Brown all went in that first year. But, but the point I'm making here is, is that you have to be able to be someone 
who doesn't just look at a stat sheet, okay, and, and says, well, boy, this guy was a great player, but, you know, if, if I had to have a conversation about him, I'd have no idea who he is. So James Brooks, as the best example. When the guy left, he was the all-time leader in franchise history. Rushing leader. And then what do you do with guys like, you know, a couple of people have brought up Leaping Lamar Parrish, great player. Tommy Casanova, great player. He's a doctor now, Tommy Casanova. I think down in Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken there, Brandon, down in your neck of the woods. He was an LSU guy. But you're going to get into Ocho Cinco. You're going to get into Geno Atkins. Yeah. Right? Oh, Geno Atkins, absolutely. What about the uh, the tackle from the Super Bowl? I can't remember his name. I... Wh- which Super Bowl? I think it's 88. 88. Well, you mean a guard Max Montoya was talked about being in. He should be in. Yeah, Max Montoya. Dave Lapham should be Dave in. Dave Lapham. Dave Lapham should definitely be in. When you're talking about all-time great Bengals. Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. Tim Crump. Yeah, Tim Crum Crump. Crump. You know what? He just moved back to town. I ran into his wife about uh, two weeks ago. And... They are thrilled to have moved, been moving back to Cincinnati. He was a coach in the NFL for a number of teams and a number of years up there in Buffalo. Uh, and then they, when they decided to not bring him back, um, his family's decided, you know what? We're moving back to Cincinnati. All our friends are there, um, and we've maintained contact with them, and that's what we're going to do. So it's nice to have the crumb rise back in Cincinnati for this Christmas season. All right, boys, what else we got going on? Well... I have came up with a list of would you rather questions. Well, I like these. And if I have one, though, do we have like a uh, buzz or something like that? Oh, I got it. You got one of the. Okay. That. That's if the I, if we I have. say hit it, that means that question's out because it's a crappy question. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, man. Casey, a lot of pressure. Because you started walking through some of these with me before the show today, a couple of them I thought were awesome. And there are a couple that are going to get the hit it. So go ahead. Let's start with good ones. I hope. I don't want to buzz you the first one out of the gate. This one's a – I'll say this is a layup. This one's an easy one. It's would you rather have Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, or Jalen Hurts? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. You know, before we answer this question, can I get into something that I read last night that I – I mean – There are things that are written and things that are said a lot of times just for impact. But this was a serious question that was debated in the L.A. Times yesterday. Did you guys see this story? I I don't know what you're going to say. The L.A. Times asked the question, is Justin Herbert the greatest young quarterback in NFL history? And they had a lengthy piece about this. About who? Justin Herbert. Who? (laughs) Are they just simply asking the question? I mean, are you kidding me? Justin Herbert? I mean, he's not even the greatest young quarterback in his generation or within the NFL quarterbacks that have come into the league in the last four or five years. And you're asking that question? What has Patrick Mahomes done? 
What has Joe Burrow done? Just pick those two guys. Josh Allen, I think, is a step below those guys. But are you kidding me? Have the Chargers been in the playoffs since Herbert's taken over there? No. Were they talking about the whole league, or were they talking about just the Chargers? No, they were talking about the NFL. And I'm going to look this up here. That's wild. Justin Herbert. I read it yesterday, part of it, and then I, and then I had to go get sick. <sighs> you guys think I'm kidding. I'm not. I mean, so here's my thing. Justin about- Herbert's play evokes memories of a young Kobe Bryant. What? And here's the other one. L.A. Times says Justin Herbert is potentially the greatest young quarterback in NFL history. Look, nobody look ca- it up. Nobody cares about sports out in L.A., so they just got to write this stuff to drum up some appreciation for what they're watching. This was on the heels when Herbert had thrown zero touchdowns and two interceptions. He did lead the Chargers for that final field goal to win the game against Tennessee. He's in his third season. And the LA Times gave him high praise saying, quote, it's like witnessing a young Kobe Bryant, a fresh Mike Trout, a clean-shaven Clayton Kershaw, a cradle filled with greatness. See, they just mentioned all LA players. That's all they're doing. They're just drumming up appreciation for LA sports that have zero fans. The newspaper also labeled Herbert as, quote, potentially the greatest young quarterback in NFL history. Yeah. He hasn't made it. He hasn't made it to the playoffs. He doesn't have I mean, my God, what prompts somebody to to even get into that topic? I mean, Tom, you clicked. All right, let's go back to your You clicked on it, though. They they accomplished their goal. I got you. I did not even finish it. All right. But if clicking on it, just like, you know, if how many followers you hear, I, I, I hear from my teenagers all the time, right? It's all about how many followers you got. Doesn't matter if what you're saying is true or just complete and utter nonsense. Which that Herbert article is. J- all right. So what would be your answer, Casey? So Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. I have a guess what Casey's going to say, but I'm not sure. <laughs> you want to know my honest, my honest opinion on this? Would love to know. It, it, it goes Joe Burrow number one, but Jalen Hurts is right there. Ahead of Mahomes? Ahead yeah. of Mahomes? Yes, because of his potential. Have you not seen how his progression just through the first couple years? Oh, boy. And he can run, and he can throw dimes deep down the field. And that's all you need. You don't need the, 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 the flips and the no-look passes. You just need someone who's going to... Either be A, a machine like Joe Burrow, or B, Jalen Hurts, which adds a whole other dynamic to his game where you have to have someone spying him. And when you know a defense is spying him, you're taking away a defender. And that's okay. all I'm saying. All right. To me, Jalen Hurts is, a better, is the version that everyone wants Lamar to be. It's Jalen Hurts. That's fair. I think my, my quarterback tier ranking would be like, Mahomes and Burrow, probably 1A, 1B in whatever order you want to put it in. Allen right underneath that. 
Ooh, maybe tied with them. And then I, I think it's a three horse rate. I don't even I wouldn't put Jalen Hurts up there with them. And and let's no. I, I see a lot of people saying I hate Patrick Mahomes. I I think Patrick Mahomes is not good within structure and he's proven it. The Bengals have taken advantage of him, dropping eight into coverage and only rushing three. He panics, starts to try to run out, and when they keep him in the pocket, he makes a mistake. So Who's this, Mahomes? Yeah, Mahomes. Mm. And so, for me, Mahomes is in, like, my top five. He he might even be the third guy. But I really think, if you look at the potential with Jalen and how well he's done this year, I mean, I don't see how you can't have him at at least in your top three. Because I don't need potential. I have proven. And I have Mahomes. Yep. I I don't want potential. Jalen Hurst not proved Yep. No. You don't think Jalen Hurst has proved it? No. No, not yet. What has he proved? Not he hasn't yet. proved a thing. Not yet. All right, all right. Well, he's played. We'll see when he comes back for the playoffs. The playoffs. Yeah, he's probably going to be in the championship. Because the NFL. All right. Well, we'll let Trace get into that. It's yeah, probably because Trace is a big uh, Herbert guy. He loves Herbert. <laughs> all and, I know, boys, is this. Okay. And we can sit here and we can talk about potential and we can talk about stats. And we can talk about a guy you know, he has more talent or tools or ability, which hurts is a better runner than Mahomes or Burrow. We all agree with that. It's not even debatable. At the end of the day, boys, all that matters for me is the dub and the L. Patrick Mahomes' record as a starting quarterback is 61 and 16. In the playoffs, his career record is 8 and 3. In 4 years as a quarterback, taking the team to the playoffs, he has won at least one game. Okay? So it's not one and done. Not one time for Mahomes. He's taken the team to a pair of Super Bowls. He has won a Super Bowl, and he's won two AFC championship games. 61 and 16. That's kind you of want that guy as your quarterback? Well, who are you choosing? I don't know if you actually answered. They're both the same age. I would take Burrow ahead of Mahomes, but man, I mean, that is sitting right on the right razor thin separation razor thin how do you feel about jalen hurts jalen hurts is a rock solid player who is starting to build a very nice resume what he did at the end of last year taking over that team getting him in the playoffs and now what he has done this year which as i said yesterday for me he is lock stock and barrel and i don't care what happens in the next three weeks he's the mvp of the of the nfl he's the best player on the best team this year but burrow three years hurt the first year comes back the second year takes his team to the super bowl right now he's got him playing as well or better than any team in the nfl and that's through all the injuries to star players a revamped offensive line the whole nine yards i think burrow is phenomenal but mahomes i think josh allen's in there too 
I'm not as out on Josh Allen as there's a guy that's got to win a big one yeah he's got to win a big one and look um you can say got into the playoffs they had that thrilling game but at the end of the day who won that game Mahomes in Kansas City won the game and you can say well you know Allen didn't get the ball back in the crummy overtime rules and I don't think anybody would argue that but um okay what's our next question Case so get ready Paul well, first, I'm going to give you an option. Do you want another NFL question, or do you want a whatever NFL? you want to pick? Since you put Just the keep time going down enough the list. for in, but be prepared. Right. Yep. We need to get a big gong up here. What was that guy's name? Chuck? What? The guy that had the gong Chuck. show. See, you guys are too young. For yeah, that. no. See, if you had a crummy act, pow, hit it out the door. See it. Tired. Right, let's go. All right. AFC versus NFC. Who's no better? participation trophies on off the bench? Go ahead. Who's better? Would you rather have an AFC team or an NFC team? Who's better? Which is the better conference? Which is, is the better conference? Better conference? Yep. No question. AFC. Okay. Well, you should ask Trace Fowler that because he thinks the NFC is way better than the AFC. Okay. Well, outside of the 49ers, the who are now playing with their third-string quarterback, and, and, and Casey has proven he's south on Purdy. I mean, the guy's 2-0, and oh, and you know, they've won six in a row, but that's okay. Um, you're south on him. <laughs> Philly, if uh, Hurts is healthy, and it's looking more and more like they're not going to play him against Dallas this week. He injured his throwing shoulder uh, in the game on Sunday. Um, and you have Dallas, which, you know, you're going to put in that category. Uh, already with 10 wins on the year. And Minnesota. Now, I'm not buying Minnesota. I don't think anybody really is buying Minnesota. But do you think... And you go to the top, okay? Do you think those four teams stack up with, in no particular order, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Baltimore? I think Baltimore still, or you think we ought to pick somebody else in the AFC? I mean, I know Tennessee's leading their division, but do you think there's somebody else that ought to be in there? Maybe Miami? Uh, Miami or the Chargers. Okay. Chargers are feisty. I mean, I would pick the Chargers. Okay, I, I, I think the top two in each conference, okay, I think you could flip coins, and I think that's fair. But when you go to the next two, um, Cowboys and, and Vikings, of course, I don't get that excited either about the, about the Chargers or um, – Who's the other team we said? Maybe Miami. Yeah, they all kind of stink. I think don't Miami's they? better than. I think Miami is definitely better than Minnesota. They all kind of stink, don't they? I wouldn't say stink. No, you, you. That's your word. But then when you start getting into games, the AFC South and the NFC South, we throw them both out the window because they're both terrible. Okay. Yeah. Now the NFC East, I will say, you know, Giants, Dallas. We talked about Philly Commanders. But the same thing can be said about the AFC East. I think that on any given Sunday that the Patriots or the Jets could beat the Commanders or the Giants. Could. Could. Right? I don't yep. think there's a clear separation there. Out West, AFC West, you know, NFC West, uh, Rams are awful. Seattle's, eh, you know. Um, and then you have who in the AFC West? Raiders stink. Denver, no. Kansas City, and who am I Chargers. Chargers. Char okay, Chargers. There we go. All right, so, you know, and then you get into the North, the NFC North, 
I know the Lions are surging right now. Um, you know about Minnesota, Bears, uh, Green Bay, uh, you know, I, I think that if Cleveland had Deshaun Watson for a full year, they're a really good team and hard to beat. And Baltimore, if they're healthy, much better than the Vikings when they're healthy, in my opinion. Better defense. So my next question, who has the easier path to a Super Bowl, the NFC or the AFC? Well, I think that's what we were just talking about. And it all depends on matchups, man. I mean, there are some teams when you get that, and that's the thing about the playoffs, is that there are some teams that are just quite simply a bad matchup for your team. And it could be a team that's a two seed playing a seven seed, but man, that seven seed can do some things that the two seed just can't handle. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't know. And then you get into the quarterbacks. Right? I mean, I think that's what you're looking at when you get in the end into the end of the playoffs. All things being equal is at the end of the day, more times than not, the team with the better quarterback wins the game. More times than not. And so you ask yourself the question if you're the Bengals. Okay, so let's play a what if question. That's what we did a little bit yesterday. And we look at the playoff picture. Pull that thing up if you get a chance, please. The playoff and, picture? Yeah. Yeah, and you. you start asking yourself, look, everybody wants the Bengals to get the number one seed right? And get that first week as a bye. Everybody wants that. The Bills want it. The Chiefs want it. And those are the only three teams that have a chance really to get it because Baltimore is not going to get it. Um, and, and then you start saying to yourself, okay, which of these guys would I most want to face? Right? Or least like to face. So when you pull that thing up, we'll walk, we'll walk through a couple of these teams and you tell me. Okay, here it is. Okay, let's start in the AFC. The way it shapes up right now. I got to be honest with you. Even though I know my second game is going to be potentially if I win, my second game could be against the number one seed. But as far as just a straight up first round game is concerned, I would rather be the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what everyone's thinking, right? We would want to play someone in the AFC South. Well, you'd want to play, and if you just look at the quarterbacks, you'd rather face Tannehill than you would, even though he's got playoff experience and he's won playoff games, you would rather face him than the seven-seed Tua and the six-seed Herbert. Agreed? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I... The only team that's currently seated in the AFC side that I want to play is Tennessee. Like, want, want to play. Any of the other teams I'm fine with, but, like, I'd probably play Baltimore, honestly. I wouldn't mind playing Baltimore. Oh, I have no interest in playing Baltimore in the playoffs. They just... What? What What, what have they done in the playoffs? Sean Harbaugh, man. I just... he, he is 1-3 with Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I just, oh, I think it's an easy one. Oh. All right, me... what about on the NFC side? Would you rather face Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones, or Tom Brady? Who would you rather face? Who would you least like to face? It'd uh, be Brady. I think we all agree. Yeah. Although some might say Jones. 
I think it would go, for me, it would go Brady, Heineke, Jones. Yeah, I agree with that order. But like, all those teams are... You would put Heineke as a least like to face ahead of Daniel Jones? Yeah, I think Taylor Heineke is feisty. I think he just kind of makes something happen. Daniel Jones... He's too up and like Tyler ha- Taylor Heineke has the potential to beat anyone. Like he's got he's got that just random factor, and then he's got the bottom, like the rock bottom. So it's really hard to want to go up against that. Daniel Jones, you consistently know, is like below average quarterback. Taylor Heineke is like White Castle, Tom. High risk, high reward. <laughs> yes, that's a great comparison. You know, I went home last night and tried to sell my, 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 my son on this idea of both you guys talking up that Gold Star cheeseburger. You can't knock it till you try it. Well, that's what I said to him. I just said, look, these are guys that I know that, that, that are cheeseburger guys. And that's what they told me. And they're not a sponsor, so we're not talking them up. If you'd like to be a sponsor, Gold Star, we ask Skyline. They decline. I went to, so the door is open for Gold Star. I went to White Castle last night. After midnight, after I was on my way home from the Xavier game? No, you didn't. Oh, yeah. 24 hours, man. Have to. <laughs> what did you get? Five cheeseburgers, no pickle. And let me oh, tell they're you. little ones. The little ones. The sliders. So oh, wait, did you White say Castle. Gold Star? Oh, White Castle. White Castle. White Castle. White Castle. White Castle. White Castle. Yeah, okay. around 12.15 last night. And let me tell you what, Tom. Elite experience at White Castle last night. You just, you never know. You get a, a toasted bun. Maybe it's a little too crispy. The burger sat on the grill too long. You get that fried edge, and it just kind of crunches in your mouth. Or you get the grease dripping onto the bag, and it just melts into your mouth. That's what we got last night from White Castle. Wow. Sorry. Top White tier Castle's experience. Well, what? see, if you, have, if you have bad White Castle, it's the bottom rung. But if you have good White Castle, like what I had last night, and it just melts, it's got that buttery sensation to it oh man it's good it's good see that's the stuff you can do when you're 20 what six yeah you can do that stuff instead of 59 i mean you wake up the next morning and you put on nine pounds when you're my age you can't do that stuff but every now and again you still do it we'll get you a gold star burger we've been talking about the bengals uh here today and it's brought to you by encore technologies Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data centers, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models, which improves efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. All right, Casey, do we have any more of these? Oh, yeah, we've got a lot. Get ready, Paul. These have been really good, too, by the way. We've had a lot of good I discussion. wish I could get in on the chat. You know, I, I told you, I took my computer in for repair because one of the keys broke. Apparently, that was a deal on, on whatever uh, two- or three-year window on these Apple computers that, that, that something they had a defect in the keys, right? So I'm trying to get it fixed. So I'm using my son's computer, which is about seven years old, and the battery is, you know, in, a, in, in, in an hour, gone. So I, I don't have access to chat. If there's anything in, interesting oh, here, in there, take, please share it. Okay. Okay. So go. No, this is an it's, old it's computer. Doesn't even have that charger. I'm telling you. I think it might be your charger. This is something the Allied forces used. <laughs> Wait. It's a real to defeat man. Defeat the evil. What's that? It's a real man. Uh, those are real men. Real men. The Allied. Well, 
Uh-oh. Okay, I'm going to stop. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. So, would you rather have Fairly the Reds? Oh, wow. We do have one of these. Are you kidding me? A Frenchman must have left it here. <laughs> I don't think so. No, that does, that's not it. That's okay. It's worth it. Hold on. No, that, that doesn't work. It's okay. That's all right. I'm good. You sure, Brandon? I don't need it. It doesn't work. It's okay. It's on the other side? Shot. Try that on the other side. Go ahead. All right. All right. Would you rather have the Reds be successful for the next five years or have Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame? Ooh. Now, successful does not mean World Series champs. It just right, means Linda, that well, you're... Let's just let's quantify that, okay? Yep. Uh, qualify that. Let's say the Reds go to the playoffs but don't win the World Series. Correct. Okay. So they are a playoff team for each of the next five years, or Pete Rose gets in the Hall of Fame. That's a great question. Do we have a round of applause kind of thing that we can hit? Okay. All right. we'll that, that's that. a good one, Case. N- nicely done. Wait, let me. You answer, Paul, since you're a baseball guy. Okay. I got to be honest. I I had my finger on the buzzer because I thought you were going to say it was a no-brainer. For the Reds. I wouldn't say this is, you mean a no-brainer for the Reds being in the playoffs? Yeah. Well, I don't think a lot of Reds fans necessarily feel that way, but I could be wrong. I want to hear what the guys in the chat have to yeah, say. Really? What would you say? Oh, the, so the Reds to be good? We're beyond Pete well, being on the Hall of Fame. Well, here, how about this? How about this? To make it easier or harder to decide. Okay. The first year, they don't make it to the playoffs, but they're close. The second year, they make it, but they lose. The third year, they make it through the first game, the first series. Okay, they get to the divisional round. Which they haven't won a playoff series since 1995. And then they lose. The following year, this is their fourth year, they make it through the divisional. And then the fifth year, the fifth year. (laughs) I'm just saying, how how do we make this harder for you to decide? I don't think think you could. I think if you – if if the option is for the Reds to be good, that's the that's Casey. What the hell happened here? What? No, no. I mean, what the hell just happened? Let's just let's just simplify this, Tom. <laughs> well, we can either do what you said. You're just a playoff team for five years, yeah, but they I never win a World Series. Yeah, I was trying to make it a little harder. Yeah, no playoff. Yeah, I appreciate that, Casey. What what's the chat saying? Uh. A sir boy says Reds to be good by far. Jolly jolly Reds by a country mile. Uh, sir boy, Pete Rose doesn't affect me one bit. Okay. Now Emperor says I don't follow the Reds, so Pete Rose for me. Okay. Mouse Mouse Cop, I would say Pete Rose because our team will never be good <laughs> as long as the Castellinis are still there. Okay. All right. I'm All in. right. Yep. So, um, Casey, what's the next one? The next one. Is there anything else we need to get in before the end of the hour here? No. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. that that we'll yeah. get to. at some okay. point. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how about this one? Uh, this we, one. This one's go. a little convoluted. It's a little convoluted. Wait. I tried to explain this one to you earlier. Do the top one. Oh, I'm gonna save that one for the next one. Okay. Well, Fair. this might be our last one because we do have to talk a couple of things about the Bengals for this week. All so right. Go well, ahead. I, I'll just do the the one that he wants me to do then. All right. Would you rather be a real man or a leader of men? There's no question. 
No question? Yeah. What do you because want to be, Tom? Because a leader of men, okay, a true leader of men, encompasses being a real man. That's part of the, that's part of the, re, that's part of the criteria. <laughs> I mean, you can't have somebody who's not a real man be a leader of men. It's impossible. So they're tiered. So a real man is below a leader of men. Well, no, it all depends oh. on what you're talking about. Because oh. when you're getting into a real man, okay, there can be somebody out there, let's just say, for example, who is, uh, let's say, a player who's a really good player or coach, okay, who it, it, a character guy is up here through the roof, okay? So you can be a real man, okay? But for some reason, you know, I think Marvin Lewis fits this bill. No, I would still say Marvin. I would put him in the leader of men category. I really think it because what he did with his franchise is nothing shy of mind-boggling. Even though he could never finish the job, he was a great leader of men for many that put on the, uh, the Bengal stripes. But somebody like that, okay, who didn't win a playoff game, who, you know, or, or a player who never could get over the hump and maybe he was never a Hall of Fame guy, but the way he lived his life and the way he conducted himself, whether it was as a player, with the media, with his family, whatever it might be, that could be a real man. So it's like the... It's such <laughs> it, BS. It's the, argument, it's the argument that a square can be a rectangle, but a rectangle can't be a square. For sure. It's, it's the all vegans are vegetarians, but not all vegetarians are vegans. That's right. I hear that in my family all the time. <laughs> you know, we don't eat meat, but uh, we'll have a little skyline dip. Wait, are you a vegetarian? No, I am definitely not. <laughs> Ultimate carnivore. Okay. Yes. The real man. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, okay. Do you, what do you guys think? I mean, you know, a, a leader of men well, or well, a real man? I mean, I'm glad that you you described it for us and defined it for us because I really wanted to be a real man. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I want to be a leader of men. You know, you I, the more and more I'm starting to think about it, Casey, you might be on to something here, and I might have to really change my tune a little bit here. Um, I got to think about that. Paul, any thoughts? Or does it need the, 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 the qualification? I think I need, I need some clarification. Right, I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. That's a very good question. It's a deep question. It's been pondered through generations going back to Aristotle, uh, uh, even back to the days of, of Paul, not Paul Fritchner. That's been debated. Now, I do have another question. Yes. If they are tiered, is gamer like third? You're a gamer, then you're a real man. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Gamer's a whole different category. Gamer, you could be an outlaw. Total outlaw. Leif Erickson. He's a well, gamer. I don't know about that. <laughs> the chat. But I'm saying you could be a total outlaw, but you could be a total gamer. No question. <laughs> no question. I mean, you Do know, gamers come in all shapes and sizes. Do you, you have know? the chat? Do you have the chat open? No. I, I don't have it. This computer's dead. Uh, Why? What's it saying? Let me hear it. Spew it out there. Nathan Hines said that I want to be a wannabe. <laughs> well, I am a wannabe and a has-been. You don't want to be there. The wannabe part's not bad. As Brian Billick once said, I used to be somebody. 
But, you know, a has-been, wannabe, nah. Go ahead. What else are they saying? Um, where's baller? Oh, yeah. Uh, but see, I don't use that term, baller. That, no. That's a, that's a, 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 you hipsters out there use that word, you guys baller. No. You know, you, 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 well, baller could mean, I guess, you're just a good baller, right? Whatever sport it is you play, okay? And that's fine. They, those guys are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. There are very few gamers. There are very few real men. And there are even fewer leaders of men. What else are they saying? <laughs> this is turned into the Jag show. Go ahead. Uh, Christopher Columbus, very happy that Lee. There's a leader of men, although he's a racist now. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Right? Well, well, I mean, Lee you know. Leif I didn't accomplish anything. Go ahead. <laughs> Leif Erickson's back. What did he say? He, 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 he just said that someone asked for me. Did someone call for him? Yes. Blow his horn? Oh, what is wrong with you? Oh, uh, just a chat. I mean. <laughs> what are they saying? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Well, we're, uh, it, it, I mean, it's just everybody's, it's just, it's off the rails. There's too much going on. Everybody's commenting too fast. Is it crude or is it? Is no, it, it's not no. crude. Well, we're just, let's a, hear just a just couple debating. of them and then we'll move on we'll just, to just a final thoughts about uh, what's coming up the show the next couple of days. Going to get into a lot of Bengals talk. Yeah, g- give me a few highlights. People debating whether Andy Dalton is a real man or a leader of men. A real man. Go ahead. Uh, people wondering about Christopher Columbus. Uh, many people wondering about Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Christopher Columbus kind of took over the chat there. Uh, that's, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Okay. All right. Look, on a serious note, um, you know, we've talked about this new premium alkaline water, Pani. It's made right across the street. What in the hell is going on over there? You didn't like that segue? <laughs> what? what? Yeah, that was just a great, that was a great segue. <laughs> These are leaders of men. Across the street right here in Hamilton, Ohio, a bunch of Procter & Gamble guys, research guys, scientists, doctors, right? Pawnee is using natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing that many other brands are using out there, the result is a healthy alkaline water that they're calling the best tasting water in the world. I can't argue with them. It's spelled Pani. So visit P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. That's PaniWater.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Trey Hendrickson yesterday was out on the practice field. We know he broke his wrist two weeks ago in the fourth quarter of a game. Um, was that the Kansas City game? Yeah, mm. that was a Kansas City game. Then he and, broke his wrist? And he stayed in the game, wasn't it? And then last week they came back and he, he sat out in their most recent game. Wasn't Kansas City two weeks ago or is that somebody? Anyway, he broke his wrist and he stayed in the game. Um, and there was a lot of talk that he might not come back the rest of this year. Now, we don't know if he's going to play this week. But he was out on the practice field, had the cast on. Uh, they can, you know, get protective devices. And, and you can't just have a cast out there to use as like a club where if you hit somebody, you're hitting them with 
you know, plaster. So they'd have to cover that thing up. But it's been done many times before. Um, and hopefully he has a chance to come back this week. If not, uh, I think they definitely feel like he will play against Buffalo uh, a week from Monday night here at home. But Casey, you brought up earlier that Zach Taylor has said that mo many of these injuries are trending optimistically in the right direction, meaning guys like Cam Taylor-Britt, uh, Mike Hilton, that secondary is very much in, in, in you know, shambles right now with all the injuries going back to Awuzie. Uh, the offensive line appears to be very healthy. Mixon is back. P. Ryan is back. Higgins came back. Boyd came back. Chase is okay. Um, Sam Hubbard, we know, will not see him. Although, I, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet on that, uh, knowing Sam Hubbard. But they're saying the playoffs for Sam Hubbard. So that's, that, that is, is good news for right now. The team is going to travel, you said now, Paul, tomorrow, right, instead of Friday? Yeah, because of that snowstorm or all the bad weather, they're going to travel a day early. Yeah, and it says the CTB injury was just a stinger. Just to clarify what the injury is. Well, those things are a little tricky. Remember, uh, Hendrickson had one of those early in the year. He's had a couple little nagging things like that before this very serious uh, broken wrist issue. New England, despite what some say, is not a pushover at home. Now, a lot of the numbers they put up in recent years, obviously, for the better part of 15 years, were there when Brady and Belichick were together. But that is still not an easy place to play. Much like Tampa Bay last week, fellas, they're facing a team in New England that is fighting to get in the playoffs. And they've got some big games here in New England. It's not a favorable schedule because that NFC East is pretty doggone good. Um, what are your thoughts early on here, sitting here on a Wednesday for a Saturday game? I mean, they are a desperate team right now, including in the locker room. I don't know if you heard what the press conference, how that all went down about the end of the game. Jacoby Myers trying to take the blame, and then you got Mac Jones trying to take blame. He didn't get the tackle in. And then Bill Belichick, he comes out and he says, well, we decided to not throw a Hail Mary because we just couldn't throw it. Couldn't throw it downfield. So it's even more controversy amongst the fans. Mac Jones can't throw a 50-yard bomb. All sorts of different things. It's just chaos right now in New England. If there was anyone that could get them to all play well at the same time against Cincinnati, it would be Bill Belichick. Yep. I don't know if you can remember... The famous, we're on to Cincinnati. Yep. If there's anyone that can play up to the standards that we know the Patriots to play to, it's that coach. And honestly, I, I'm not – it sounds like I'm contradicting myself right now. I'm not worried about them, but I don't think they're a pushover. I think they've got some guys. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson's a good running back. Um. I think Matt Jones is serviceable. Jacoby Myers isn't that bad. They've got Hunter Henry. Um, that tight end, he's pretty decent. Yep. Um, Jonu Smith, I think, is still there. A decent tight end. 
And then that's their defense, really. At the end of the day, it's Matthew Judon and the other guy. I can't remember his name right now. But they, they have a really good tandem. And if they can get after the quarterback, and if they can get after Joe Burrow and exploit our tackle weaknesses, it's going to be a long day. Now, Jonah Williams has been playing a lot better. He's been one of the best left tackles in the league since the bye week. I don't know if you knew that. But he's had, like, only seven pressures. I know where I know where those numbers came from. <laughs> oh yeah, Paul. What are your thoughts about this game? I'm kind of nervous for this game. Okay, nervous. Okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of on edge about this game. It just feels like everything's been going right. Everything's been looking up. Everything's been trending. Uh, everything's been trending in the in the Bengals' direction for the last six weeks, and they're playing well. But, you know, it's the NFL. And do I think that they're going to go into the playoffs, on the, you know, on this, on this crazy winning streak? I don't know. Do they slip up somewhere? I think they lose one of these last three. Um, I don't know if I think they lose this week. I don't know if I think they lose this week. I just don't have a great feeling about it. Just feels okay. like a weird game on Christmas Eve at 1 o'clock. I don't know. It just feels weird to me. Okay. And I, I got to say something to Emperor Starscream here. I don't know why it's a problem for all the teams that we play against to be desperate. I, I don't see where the issue is. Well, the Patriots are like, way more desperate than – like, the Bills aren't desperate. No, but yeah, I, like, think it's fa- like, I think it's, I think it's fa- fair to say that the last two weeks, Tampa Bay, while not as desperate because they were sitting all alone atop their division – but they are hanging on by a threat. I mean, that lead is down to one game, and clearly you're not going to be a wild card. New England is right there, you know what, uh, a, a tie break away from being in the playoffs where every loss now gives uh, – it's a serious hit to your chances. So, look, it's just reality. You're playing teams. Now, you're like you said, Paul, Buffalo's not going to be desperate unless you're a Bills fan and you say to yourself, and I guarantee you they're out there. If you're a Bills fan, you're saying to yourself, man, you know, uh, we've kind of gotten by a couple of games here recently. Um, We're right now the number one seed. But depending on what happens this coming week, Depending on what happens in Cincinnati, we could go from being the one to the three. And if you view that as being desperate because you don't think the Bills can go on the road and beat a Cincinnati or a Kansas City, could be desperate. I tell you, if the Ravens keep going the way they're going, I mean, we've been talking for the last month or longer than that about that last game of the season deciding a divisional championship, and it well might. But there's also a chance... You know, Ravens lose again this week. And let's say they lose again the following week. Now, do I think the chances of that are good? No. But if that happens, now you're talking about a team that's fighting to get in the playoffs that last game of the year, not winning a division. That could happen. Because they can't score. Yeah. I don't know when Lamar's coming back. All right, do we have a cherry on top today or no? We do. We do. All right. Thank God this is coming to an end today. <laughs> Cherry on top brought to you by UDF.
What in the world is this? So I Tom, you saw it on the preview screen. What 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 is this? This is a little uh, Christmas holiday. What do you want to call it? Poem yeah. song. Look, put it up. You want to read it out loud? It's oh. very long. Is it tired? <laughs> Twas the week before Christmas and all through the house, every TV was muted to silence Romo's big mouth. But despite his best efforts and his bias-fueled mumbles, the Bengals roared back to bring home dubs to the jungle. Throughout Raymond James, they arose such a clatter, the Bucks fans jumped ship to see what was the matter. On Burrow, on Boyd, on Chase, on Higgins, on Wilcox, on Flowers, on Apple, on Mixon. But how could this happen? They just fairly okay. Though four turnovers later, the defense did slay. We're tough as nails, Pratt did exclaim. Maybe now, old man, you'll remember our names. Tom and Tony were stunned, heads hung in despair, Tom ran out of the stadium to get out of there. Has the torch just been passed? Asked all the men and ladies. Burrow just grinned as if to say maybe. You may score points early, but Coach Lou is a menace. You see, it's not how you start. It's all how you finish. Bengals Nation sleeps soundly. In Joe Burrow we trust. And don't ever forget, they got to play us. Now, where do we give the credit to this? Is this something from Bon Jovi or what, what is this? Uh, so the Twitter user is at Bengals Whitney. Whitney? Bengals Whitney. Bengals Whitney. Okay. I assume that's a woman. Yes. Okay. And um, I'm assuming she's obviously got to be a huge Bengals fan. Yes. Very huge. I tell you what, that's beautifully written. I give it up to Bengals Whitney. Yep. Good stuff, Bengals Whitney. Got a little pub on off the bench. Thanks to, is she, are you related to her? No. You sure? Yes. Why? Maybe. No, I'm not related to her. Friends? No. Ever no. met her? Never met her. Just saw her? her? Just saw her on my timeline. Okay. Case, Paul, well done. Paul, wait, 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 wait. You know, what's the deal over there? Uh, he is. He's like a schoolgirl. <laughs> Smitten oh, with man. Joe Burrow. What is going on over there? Oh, it's just, just, what, the last, just the last 20 minutes have been great, Tom. It's just, I think I'm also very tired. I went to bed at like 3 a.m. last night. That it's because it's, it's you it. wolfed down at Whitey's before the you Whitey's, went to bed. It didn't treat me well, but it was fantastic. I don't regret it. Time for box lunch, boys. How are we doing today? Doing Reed, good. Tracer, what's you, happening? You think Bengals Whitney's got to be a shoo-in for the poet laureate? How you pronounce that? Poet laureate? No that? doubt. No doubt. Shoo That's how you pronounce it. Yep. Shoo-in. Witty Whitney. Witty Whitney. Tom, that, you gave me goosebumps reading that. Oh, yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. So how are we doing? Do you guys read that, the, the, like that, 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 that to your kids, the real one, not that one? Went all through the house. I say it to my to my two dogs every night. Your dogs? Yeah, don't have kids. Uh, well, I know you don't have kids yet, but I'm saying you, you, it was more night of a before trace. Christmas is a, is a little bit of a tradition, yeah. So you sit down and read it, or you have a family member read it? What? I I I do read it. Um, 
it's getting to the point now where you know kids are getting of age where it's not cool anymore so mm. maybe you well maybe we'll just shift to the daughter at this point you know i gotta tell you my my, my father-in-law are... comes in from arizona for for christmas every year he just got here the other night and uh and and he still reads to our 19 year old daughter and our 17 year old son every single year he'll read that in their room and you know what they so much like the tradition of it that that just when you think it's getting old it takes on like a whole kind of new meaning yeah. so it's kind of cool that's sweet because you just keep it going yeah yeah sweet so are you is the fowler household an elf on the shelf household oh that is the worst so yes, I, I, so yes. I, I, the answer is yes, but whoever come up with that and, and my wife for implementing it, just terrible. Well, they're sitting on an island in the Bahamas. I wish I was a guy. Yeah. Well, I you wish I was a guy, the but I, household, I, I don't wish well upon that guy. We used to be. Used to be. I got a question, yeah. Tom. Yeah. I was listening to the Leader of Men segment. Is David Bell a Leader of Men? Uh, no. He's one step higher. He's a man. Now, in fairness to him, I will say this in fairness to him. It's hard to win when you don't have players. Yeah, I I would like to see because David Bell, in many ways, I thought when he was hired, has many of the traits that I would want in a manager. I like to see him be a little more of a hard ass, but but he has a lot of things, I think, that, that, that would go into making a good manager. And many people, you know, we're getting to the point now where a lot of people don't even remember who Joe Torre was, okay? But there was a point in time where Joe Torre managed the Atlanta Braves, terrible players, got fired. Managed the St. Louis Cardinals, terrible players, got fired. New York Yankees, all of a sudden, when he got hired, I mean, the New York papers went ballistic when they hired him as manager. Went crazy, all basing it off his stops in Atlanta and St. Louis. Well, now all of a sudden, you get in the Bronx, and it's a time when Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams and Andy Pettit and Mariana Rivera and all these guys are coming at the same time, and you got great players, and what do you win? Three, four World Series there with the Yanks? Four out of five years. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know. So I I think David Bell would be a, a really good manager if he was somewhere where they had a chance to compete. Yeah, so I, uh, my favorite quote or one of my favorite quotes that I heard when I was running around d- doing recruiting stuff back for college baseball was uh, was a guy that was coaching um, at a lower level, and uh, they asked him what you know how things were going, and he he said uh, he said, "Well, I'm here because it's tough to win the Kentucky Derby with a bunch of donkeys, and that's what I got right now." So that's exactly <laughs> right. That's, you got to so, have the horses, it's man. It's tough, so. man. If you don't yep. got the guys, it's tough. Yeah, but it is. I just was uh, curious because it just – I've always said I do think you can create a culture. I don't know if you can win, but you can at least create a culture as a manager. And I think there's times where I just wish, to your point, and maybe it's just the perception and it's not really even reality if he was like this, but I feel like David Bell just seems like a pushover to me. He just It just seems like he's not a guy that's, that's going to demand excellence. If Urban Meyer and David Bell were in the same room – like, I feel like Urban Meyer would want David Bell to leave, like, after, like, two weeks of being in the same room together because there's just two different expectations of how you're going to hold people accountable to certain things. And I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but, you know, one would argue that the folks that make sure that people are held accountable with inside <clears throat> locker rooms tend to do better than others. 
And, and like you said, we don't know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I was there when David was still the manager. I don't know what he does behind closed doors and whether he's lighting guys up and in a way that would, I think, go hand-in-hand with what you're talking about, about accountability and making right. them understand that this is what you expect. So I don't know. But, you know, I mean. To the enough. press, he's a very soft-spoken guy. Yeah, and that's very, probably where I get my perception. Is it just and, and the and other even thing in too game, is in game he's 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 very you know I don't want to use placid but yeah he's very you know quiet and his dad was the same way I mean they're the same personality his dad had the same bad, bad luck to be quite honest if you can consider being a major league manager making a shit uh, a, a lot of money right. uh, being a, a bad job or being you know whatever but yeah. Buddy Bell uh, was another guy I thought now he was a little more you know but not much. Uh, and, and, and every team that he managed, they, they had no chance to compete. None. And the Reds right now have no chance to compete. Last newsworthy note before you leave, I, and I'm curious to see how you take your NFL Sundays in. I have a, I have a guess, but I want to hear it. Um, YouTube is closing in on an agreement, I don't know if you've seen, with uh, the NFL for the Sunday ticket for the first time in history. I thought Direct I saw where Amazon was getting that. Well, I would seen that YouTube was – the favorite, close, the favorite, the favorite in close talk. So who's the favorite? Not, YouTube TV. Okay, YouTube TV. YouTube TV. I have YouTube TV yeah. at home. Yeah. So I don't know if it's. I don't know if that's gonna obviously, as we've seen with the Korea situation, it's never done until <laughs> until it's done. Um, but that would be cool. And then I, the last question I have is like, how do you take? Do you do you still watch the old local CBS slash Fox game, or do you watch some Sunday Ticket? Do you watch the well? Sunday yeah, ticket? and this is where in our house, and when your kids get old enough, you'll find out. But what happens is, you know, you got the young generation. Excuse me, like our son, he's 17 years old. He's used to everything right now, right? He wants to see all of the plays. Yep. So what he did was last weekend, finally, to make everybody happy. And we never watch the games in the basement. My dad always comes over, and it'll be my dad, Luke, me. My wife's kind of in and out. Our daughter's in town, so she loves football. She watched with us Sunday. So to solve the dilemma of what you just have, and we have it every Sunday until last week, he brought a TV down from the upstairs, right? Love it. Plugs it in the wall, right? And there he has it sitting on a little table he pulled out of the basement. And so you can watch the big TV, right, or, or and Sunday Ticket. But here's the problem. You know where I'm going with this? One's going to be ahead of the other. That's exactly right. Ticket, the <laughs> ticket it. was ahead of the Bengals game? No. Well, the yes, red, you're talking yes. about red zone, by the way, right? Red zone. Red zone. Yep. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I enjoy the red zone. It, it changed my entire viewing experience on Sundays. I, I, I used to only watch one game on an NFL Sunday. Right. And now I, I have – it's more of actually become a domestic issue because I literally just have to watch eight hours of commercial-free football. Well, that's, that's our son. Yeah, and I'm like – I time. like watching a game develop and what I happens agree. and all that. Kind of, and, and look, you know, really that's only a Bengals game. There are very few other games I'm going to sit around and spend three hours watching. But – yeah, so that's a, that's what happened is when, you know, you, you got the TVs right next to each other. And it was funny because our daughter really didn't care about seeing the Sunday. So her angle where she couldn't see it. So just to sort of jabber a little bit, I'm like, you know what I would do right now? I'd throw a, a slant to Tyler Boyd here. <laughs> and then on the big screen, there's a slant to Tyler Boyd. And she'd look at me. She's like, wow, pretty cool. 
And then I'm like, you know, I, I'm thinking they're, they're looking past here. I'm going to hand it off to, to Mixon off the left side. Maybe just give me about four or five. Bang. <laughs> First time in a long time I've been the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Lasted 10 minutes, and that was it. That was, but, you know, you know now, now, here's a question for you, right? If you're a big Reds fan, and we got rid of DirecTV, I don't know, about a year ago. I mean, it was just so much money you're spending every right. single month. It's and we're ton. like, you know what? Let's get YouTube TV. And we've been to some friends' houses. They had done the same thing. So we yep. decided, okay, we're going to do it. But if you live here in greater Cincinnati, it's got to be the same because it's a Bally's thing, I think, yep. across yep. the whole country. Okay? So if you're one of these Sunday ticket followers, and let's assume for a second just for this question, if, if you're so into football and NFL and you love Sunday ticket, okay, are you okay with flipping to YouTube TV off of whatever it is you have, right, cable? Would you rather have the YouTube TV that gives you the uh, Sunday ticket thing or, the, or the, 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 right. the red zone and not have the Reds games? Because if you have YouTube TV, you don't get the Reds games. Correct. Right. Okay. Which would you do? Well, we made we we had this situation just last year. Yeah. Now, now, obviously, we got this guy who's uh, not a fan of the Reds. He's a fan of some other terrible franchise. But so he doesn't have that issue. He well, he watches the MLB app. Uh -huh. um, and, and there's some technolo technological things that you can do with VPNs. And, yeah, that's and, and right. That's right. Do all you know what I'm saying? But to your point. I think, if anything, if you're Rob Manfred and you're MLB, not to spin this into a whole other topic of conversation, but you have to be incredibly concerned when you have mega businesses. We're not talking about the, the valleys of the world. We're talking about Google. We're talking about YouTube. Amazon. Amazon. Apple. They literally yeah. decided last, it was, it was maybe was it two years ago? When we first started watching, we first started YouTube, watching YouTube, YouTube TV, TV Fox yeah. Sports was on it. Fox Sports was on it. The contract come up. And YouTube TV gambled. When you're talking about Fox Sports, you're talking about Fox Sports Ohio. Yeah, yes. Bally. Regional. Okay, okay. 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 just want to make sure we clarify. Yes, All that right. Bally. They had it at the beginning. They took a gamble. YouTube TV took a gamble and said, you know what? We're not paying all this money to this network to carry something that we're not, we're not convinced our, our users are going to leave us for. Right? So they punted. They said, fine, you guys can have it. We don't want it. To think that that I didn't leave, I didn't leave YouTube TV. No. Yeah. I, I, in fact, that's one of the reasons I don't watch as many Reds games anymore is because I just can't. No, that's and, I, and, I don't, and I don't, don't watch I one in two I, years because I can't. I don't miss it if we're going to lose a hundred and something games. Now, from time to time, sure, if it's on at the bar or something like that, I'll watch it. Right. But I do think that as a league, you have to be incredibly concerned when YouTube, you could, you could make the argument at the beginning, maybe YouTube just didn't value sports as much, but that was their shtick. To think that they're literally going all in after. The Sunday ticket, something that DirecTV's held for since the since yep. it began, yep. and they don't even care to carry your sport on their platform. They don't like yeah. YouTube TV decided. Nah, we don't need baseball. Take every single Bally Sports franchise and owned by Sinclair, as you've said before. Well, but correct me if I'm wrong, though. They haven't done that just with baseball. I mean, I think that Bally's has the rights to something like 23 or 20 of Hockey. the 32 teams, whatever it is. But, I mean, they also own the franchise rights to – so, like, you can't watch most, a – correct most, me if I'm wrong. You can't watch a Blue Jackets game in this town, right? No. Okay, no. so you've done it with hockey, and we're not in talking about you Cincinnati. We're talking about you go to St. Louis. Right. If you have YouTube TV, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, you it's more have. of a Bally thing, Correct. not not just an Ohio thing. Right, right. That if you're in St. Louis, 
Um, you know, while that business model might work uh, in Cincinnati because the team's not any good and people really don't care if they watch it at the end of the day, they're not missing anything, right? But in St. Louis, it's a pretty big deal. Right. Right? It is, but I'm just saying. Blues and Blues and Cardinals. I'm just saying the numbers. The, 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 the NFL is such a king. It's such a big brand, Tom, that they literally punted on all the other sports and said, no, we'd rather just go after the NFL Sunday ticket and make sure that we have the red zone and keep all of our, all of our fans happy that watch basically well, the NFL – and we'll punt on the we'll punt on the NBA. Yeah. We'll punt on the NHL, and we'll punt on the MLB. And I would be concerned if I'm those leagues that I. It's not about the money thing. It's about just the ability to watch. There's right. no doubt. My son doesn't watch Reds you, games. You can't get the product in front because of because I eyes. can't get the product in front no, of his eye. I agree. And this is where we talked about the other day. This whole thing. My dad and I were talking about it last night. We had Christmas at his house last night. And he said, where did you get that information about that Bally thing, about being out of money in 2023? I said, look, I said, you know, Sinclair did a conference call, publicly traded company. Right. And they start, the CEO starts getting asked about it. He's like, well, we're doing great. They own Channel 12 here in town, I think it is. They're like, you know, we're doing great. They're the largest owner of television stations across the United States. And they're like, we're doing great. And then they say, well, what about the LLC over here, Bally? He's like, oh, we're out of cash after 2023. So... There's that, and, 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 you know, look, we could go into a whole, uh, the business of sports, just in baseball and this television thing and, and, and things that could be created here and things that potential disasters, not problems, disasters. Because what happened in a lot of cases was in recent years with television deals with baseball teams, and I don't mean to get off your topic here. No, and, that's and, fair, you're fine. No, but here's the bottom line is, some of these Fox Sports fill in the blank. Let's just pick Ohio just because we're here. Yeah. Fox Sports Ohio couldn't necessarily pay, say, $30 million a year to the Reds for rights fees to the games. So what they did was they gave Reds ownership and other franchise ownership stakes inside of Fox Sports Ohio. So they became a partner and a shareholder of that entity. Okay, so what happens next if they can't pay after 2023, in this case, just theoretically, the 30 million to the Reds, or maybe they negotiated it down to 20 and gave them 10 million of equity in the company? What happens if all of a sudden the company goes belly up? It's it's a it's a cause for concern in many areas. I I I, I don't want to sound the alarm and act like you know it's Armageddon and and, and, and the, the whole thing's gonna blow up in everybody's faces. I just concern more or less not about the pocketbooks of these owners because yeah. more than likely they'll figure out a way to make it all work. They got plenty of of uh, of equity and other things that they could find ways to fill fill stop gaps. I'm more concerned about the sport just as a whole and the idea that you can't watch it like you can't right you can't turn it on every single night and at some point like that has that narrative has to shift and my hope is that and again this might take some time my hope is that youtube obviously we're on it every day but youtube yeah. and youtube tv become a platform for the actual individual franchises to start really making sense of all of these media deals because at the longest time forever really they've always just basically passed the buck onto some other media outlet right and they handled everything 
at some point, maybe, and again, this might be a pie-in-the-sky type thought, but the Reds, they decide if they want to have a YouTube TV deal or if they want to be on YouTube as a whole. But if that's how MLB is going to handle it, like if MLB is just going to say, hey, every franchise is on their own, they can make their own deals with whatever, whatever partner they want, I would more rather the MLB come out and just say, which I don't know if they'd be able to legally do this or not, but I'd rather them just say, listen, our game's in a state of uh, a bad situation. Right. We're going to have to do a couple things that we've never done before. One of them is that we got to come together as, a, as, a, as an entity and make sure that we're on every single outlet you could possibly be on for people to watch our stuff. And the second thing is, is we got to make it a little more equitable somehow, well, I, some way. I'll tell, I'll tell you an article you got to read before we get out of here. And you were joking around yesterday about uh, I talk about articles in the athletic all the time. Yeah. But by the way, I do like the athletic. Yeah, I, know. I just wanted I mean, to, if I you have it, you love it. There's a little it. bit and of ribbing. Yeah. From I, oh, I know that. I know that. But but there there is a fascinating article that is everything you're talking about right now. We know the state of the Pac-12 conference. They're in as much disarray as Major League Baseball is. Yeah. Right. They started this Pac-10 or Pac-12 conference channel like the Big Ten Network, like the SEC Network. Nobody's watching it. You can barely watch it in certain places. They bring in this whiz kid guy as a new commissioner, and he's on the brink of striking a deal. Now, they're trying to figure out if other teams are going to leave because there's talk about, you know, Utah and Arizona and Arizona State and somebody else jumping ship over to the Big 12 whether that, but I mean, he, he's on the brink of striking some deal that actually it, it's, you have to read the article three times and I, I, I'm not sure. very bright guy. So it takes me a long time. I'm have to read it a fourth and fifth time about it, it's tying in Amazon to ESPN to something else to network television to CBS. It's a fascinating article about bringing all of these things you're talking about to together. Right. Where the money might be coming from Amazon, but Amazon's able to spin it off on a on a on three or four dates during the season to CBS to put it after an SEC game at night. Right. To, you know, not where it's 11 o'clock at night. Right. And so it's a um, it's a really interesting deal. And I think that's where a lot of these things ultimately, if you're not the Big Ten or the SEC or the NFL, because really, at the end of the day, those three are the kings of the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL is a league. The Big Ten, the SEC, everybody else, every other sport drops off the planet compared to those three. Yeah. Boys, have a good show. That's right. Thanks, Tom. Got Christmas shopping to do today. Not going good. Best of luck. Oh, good luck. Oh, no. good. I did mine yesterday. Atta boy. Not done Gamer, yet. Gamer, getting it done. Taylor Swift.